This episode of the ABZ Football Podcast is sponsored by Siberia Bar and Hotel on Bellman Street, Aberdeen. Located only 30 seconds walk away from the nearest bus stop, taking supporters to Pataudry for free on match days. Siberia Bar and Hotel is open seven days a week, all year round, and get fired in with our exclusive discounts. Head to the bar and quote the phrase ABZ Pod, that's ABZ Pod, for a £3 pound of Foster's, a £4 for a pint of Moretti or Dark Fruits, or £5 for a pint of Fierce or a Daiquiri any day of the week, including match days. Come on, you Reds. Red slight of foot there. It's Sunday and you know what that means. Welcome to episode 83 of the ABZ Football Podcast. I'm your host Gary Scott and as always I'm joined by Gavin J. Baxter and Graham Steele. Gents, how's it going? It's all right now, but give it a minute, 30 seconds, maybe not so much. Yep, once you get into that review, we'll be, we'll be there. Back by popular demand, by the way. The Black Notebook is here. Gavin's little... Black notebook is back. Uh, my Aber DNA notebook, complete with club crest on every page, rendering it all but useless. <laughs> but what's in there doesn't all make for pretty reading. No, absolutely not. Um, it's probably going to be a bit more of a um, rough and ready show, shall we say, today, because I've got absolutely no notes prepared uh, due to the fact that I ran out of time to do it today. So let's get started, I think, where we, the obvious one, the Hearts game on Wednesday night. We're not, I'm not going to do a blow-by-blow blow review of this one, but Hearts 5... Aberdeen nil Wednesday the 18th of January 2023 at Tynecastle Stadium. If you want a blow-by-blow blow of the game, I can sum it up for you quite neatly. Hearts shot at our goal, Hearts scored. Absolutely. Um, we're kind of a couple of days hence that now. Have you calmed down, gents? Um, I think I'm, yeah, I think I'm close to acceptance. Okay. In, the, in, the, in the grieving process um but that's probably just the practice i'm possibly still in the denial stage <laughs> one of the one of the more bizarre games of football i think i've watched certainly the first 28 minutes i am um, i actually i put myself back to the ringer and ended up watching a little bit of the game back again this morning just to decide whether or not i i thought for the first 20 minutes at the time we played quite well but somehow we're 2-0 down. I went back and watched it again today. I was like, actually, I don't think we did play that well. I think Hearts were murder. Um, which says a lot. And there were a lot of Hearts fans during the game and at halftime commenting about the fact that they were absolutely terrible, but were 4-0 up. I can't remember exactly his words, but Joel scared at halftime. It's the most damning indictment of all. I think he said to the effect of we're 4-0 up and we're not even been that good. Yeah, I know. I know. Where did you start with that performance on, on, on Wednesday night? Just... I can't even wrap my head around just how bad it was. Graham, I'm I'm going to step aside and let you take this one. <laughs> I don't really know. I'm not too sure what to say. I didn't watch the game, so I'm you know kind of relying on, I can't use the word highlights, video footage and <laughs> uh, chatting to people. But I feel like if you get scudded 5-0, you don't need to watch the game to know that you've been shite. Uh, without exception, <laughs> if it's, uh, you know, you Europa League 
qualify or retire late on and you've got some handy outfit from a different league, that's slightly different. But if you're getting battered by anyone in this league 5-0, that's not a good look. So you don't have to watch it to know that that's just pathetic. And having watched some of the goals, I honestly thought this was 2022 and it was, you know, it's a year ago and we're talking about when's glass going to go because it's just the same. It's like literally shoot on sight and it will go in. I know. Put the ball know. in the box, it will go in. There will not be an Aberdeen defender anywhere near you. I mean, you're saying that Glass never conceded five, I'm pretty certain, at any given opportunity. Don't he? Did he even concede a four? Well, it turns out he was a defensive genius. As it turns out. Bring him in as a defensive coach. <laughs> a defensive coordinator. <laughs> special yes. teams. Yeah, no, I just shite. There's not really anything else to add to that. <laughs> um, like Graham, obviously, didn't travel to Tynecastle. Um, I believe it was available on Hearts pay-per-view. It was. 12 but times I later. opted when I saw our team sheet to uh, forgo that option because as soon as I saw the team and I saw it was basically the same 11 with a couple of exceptions uh, from the Rangers game, I knew we were in trouble. I didn't have high expectations going into it. I thought maybe, you know, a best case scenario is, is a, maybe a fortuitous, scrappy 1-0 win. You know, I think my expectation was maybe, you know, a, a defeat. Um but nothing on that kind of scale. And, you know, of course, when I saw Gary and a few of our regular contributors pre-game talking about how the Hearts team didn't look all much cop, I knew that's, well, that's a further jinx. In the, Not me. Uh, I never said that. In the in the formula. That's oh, Johnny yeah. Main. Johnny Main, that's your fault. I, I think we could go through the tweets and the timeline and find sentiments agreeing with Johnny's uh, Quite possibly. It's not as though you're unknown to be disparaging about Heart of Midlothian Football Club. No, I know. But I actually, it, on one hand, I still would kind of stand by that to an extent. But I don't actually think Hearts are... I don't think Hearts last season and I don't think Hearts this season are by far and away like the third best team in the country on paper. Yes, I know the game's not played oh. on paper. Well, gather around. Let me tell you about a team called Aberdeen Football Club. <laughs> 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 yeah. But... But this season, as per last, the rest of the league just appears to be like, would you like third spot, lads? There you go. I'm looking at the league table right now, and I thought, I remember <laughs> saying this a few times last season, that I thought the league was a, a very, very poor standard with a lot of poor teams in it. And I thought this season things had changed, things had improved a little bit. I'm looking at the table right now. Both ourselves and Hibs are in the top six, and we have lost as many games as we've drawn and won. I know, I know. It's horrendous, honestly, horrendous state of affairs at the moment. Um, I was kind of, I, I, I think I was a little bit surprised to see we went with a very similar starting eleven to how we went at Hamden. I thought this maybe would have been an opportunity for Goodwin to try and maybe freshen things up because you know we we, t- we touched on it. I think in the review in the car coming home from Hamden, players were kind of all out in their feet. It looked at the end of the game. Very surprised we went with the same the same 11. The thing that really just grates with me still, and I know it grates with a lot of supporters still, is how we ended up having to line up at the back on Wednesday night. So if anyone needs to remember, the back four of Matty Kennedy at right back, Ross McCrory at centre half alongside Liam Scales and Hayden Coulson at left back. So you've got a a player in Matty Kennedy who, Graham, I know you're not Matty Kennedy's you know biggest fan, but He's not a right back. Let's put it that way. That's not his natural position, right? So he's playing a right back. We've got Ross McCrory, who 
I don't think anyone knows what Ross McCrory's best position is anymore, to be honest with you. Right in the moment, I, I think it's probably right back. It's where he's probably been performing. I think it's the bench. Yeah, well, right that as now. well. But, you know, out of the multitude of positions we try to play him in, right back seems to be the one he actually has the most impact in. You've got Liam Scales, obviously a player on loan um, at left centre-half, and then Hayden Coulson, another player on loan at left back. Now, we've had to rejig ourselves into a back four that looks like that, all because we've had a suspension to one player in our back line. Like, we talked about it in the summer that we thought we were light. We know we're light in defence. Still, we're now, as we record at this moment in time, the 20th of January. No defenders in the door yet. That's fucking criminal, isn't it? To be in a position where you have to rejig your back line to that extent because one player is suspended. Negligent is the word you're looking for. Excellent. Lovely, Graham. There we go. Uh, this is part of my pre-show research as well. I thought I'd have a little look at how many players we've used this season. Oh, go on then, Gaff. Because it's in your have, little black notebook. It is in the black notebook. We have totally. used a total of 27 players all in. Now that is padded out by the likes of Jack Milne, Mason Hancock, and Liam Harvey. Cal Roberts. Cal Roberts. Um, you know, obviously Joe Lewis came in. I will share the listeners in with our pre-match WhatsApp group chat. Words to the effect of, we really hope Joe Lewis doesn't make an arse of this. Poor bastard, honestly. What a poor guy. Well, come on, you'll lose in a minute again, right? We will. But I think the kind of point I'm trying to make is like, you know, we're not... So beyond those kind of youngsters, it's like a lot of players that we've brought in, uh, a lot of players with, you know, a lot of experience, a lot of game time, guys that I think most teams in the S in the top flight would be looking at and thinking they would be useful to our squad. We're not in like the deepest, darkest days of, you know, Steve Patterson or the end of Ebby when we didn't have a pot to piss in. Never mind a budget to, to actually build a squad mm-hmm. with a, a good 11 and then, you know, an extra 11 to provide competition. We've got clearly the budget is there. But yeah, the way we've built the squad in the summer, it's, you know, we we had a pretty good inclination early on when we played Celtic and Scales had to drop out. So we had to then rejig the entire team to, to make that work. Ultimately ends up with McCrory playing centre back. It's uh yeah, it's it's not been it's not a good look for the uh, the recruitment department. It's not a good look for the manager, who of course we have, we know directed the recruitment department to go about the business in the way they did. Which is also an interesting part. I saw a lot of people yesterday, um, after Jim Goodman's press conference ahead of the Darvel game, we'll come on to that in a minute or two, talking about how recruitment had to take a big blame for where we're at this season. But I don't I don't take that, I'm afraid, because we heard very clearly from Lee Scott who'd been involved in the recruitment process during the summer, that the edict, the, the, the diktat from as to how the squad was to be formulated in terms of number of attacking options versus defence came from Jim Goodwin. That was Jim Goodwin's call to go this way. Yeah, and what limited defence options we did bring in, um, we've obviously lost faith in, at least one of them, in Jaden Richardson because he was sat on his arse, you know, presumably playing like Scrabble on his iPhone um, when Matty Kennedy was... Playing right back. Indeed. Uh, one other thing as well, I've noticed Jim Goodwin in his, again, the pre-match press conference for Darvel, um, seeming to pin our inconsistency this season on the fact that we have a young squad and on the whole, we're, you know, we're just inconsistent and that's what you get out of a young squad. We've gone from being the oldest squad, he thinks, to the youngest squad in the league this season. I haven't gone and looked at that to be honest with you I suspect that might be true from an average age perspective but that might be padded out by Gav as you say the likes of Ryan Duncan potentially players like that who are 
in and around the fringes of the first team. But when you look back, and, and when I think about the season to date, it's not been youngsters who've been costing us goals. It's been the so-called more experienced heads in the team who've been costing us goals or causing us problems. Anthony Stewart is 30 years old. Ross McCrory is 24 now. So for me, that's not a youngster any longer. Liam Scales is 24. He's got a decent amount of football under his belt now. Hayden Coulson's 24. Graham Shinney, 31. Graham Shinney had a shocking game, by the way, on Wednesday night at Tynecastle. I'm not saying he was the only one, but he didn't have a great game. Ilber Amadani is 26. Leighton Clarkson, okay, 21. Johnny Hayes, 35. Marley Watkins, 32. Matty Kennedy, 28. Miofsky, 23. Okay, still maybe a bit young, but not really. Duke, 22. Bajowin, 21. It's not like it's a bunch of kids, you know, that are costing us problems this season. No, and with, um, I mean, you know, you look at McCrory, he might be a younger member of the squad, but he's got an enormous amount of experience under his belt as well. So, yeah, it's it's not, like I say, it's not when Ebby had to, no choice but to blood the Youngs and Maguire and McNaughton. You know, it's guys that have got a lot of experience under their belt and should mm-hmm. be, should know better and should be capable of, should be capable of going about their jobs in a much better way than they than they are. And like you say, it's, it is the senior players that are generally speaking letting us know. The youngsters that we're talking about are, you know, fringe players. Yeah, and conversely, it's been some of the younger players who've been the bright spots of the season so far. Duke, Leighton Clarkson. You know, these are the guys who've been producing. Oh, he ran out of steam pretty quick there. I did. Well, I'm trying to decide who I decide is young player or not, you know? Um, do you include... The, uh, is Miofsky in there as a young player at no. 23? Probably not. 23, no. Yeah, you know. But it's been some of these guys who've actually helped perform and have helped do some of the brighter things this season. So I just think it was really disingenuous of Goodwin to sit there and suggest that this is an issue about the age. I think it's also a slightly flawed argument because what he's basically saying is we... We recruited a bunch of young people. <laughs> yeah. And now it's the young, you know, that's the problem. Well, then yeah. that's your problem. You made it. So it's a pretty dumb argument, in my opinion. It's like you you got what you want, it sounds like, in terms of the recruitment and where we positions we recruited, and presumably then ages, etc. So it's like you you gave us a list, we gave you the list back with all the players you wanted on it, and now somehow that's a problem. Own up to it. Yeah. If you were a young team, yeah. There's this, I don't know how much the stats bear it out. You know, everyone's, oh, you can't win anything with kids, et cetera, et cetera. But there is an element of they lack experience. But on the flip side is they're not, they don't have the fear. So or theoretically. The, theoretically. But, you know, we've seen it time and time again, not just with Aberdeen in general, experienced players, supposed experienced players. But then it's like, a, it's almost like they just don't want the hassle. They don't want the ball. You know, they shy away from it. Whereas it's the younger guys sometimes that maybe because they haven't had years of people getting on their back are quite happy to take the ball and and try something. So I don't think it's really, I don't think it's a valid argument and a quick sort of cursory search on Google doesn't really back it. I mean, I'm, the squad does appear to be the youngest. However, it's not like we're all 15 and everyone yeah. else is 30. You know, it's 24 point something for us versus 24 point something for Celtic. I mean, I feel like you're splitting hairs here. Um, yeah. I, I know after the game he kind of avoided using the Sunday um, as an excuse, the, the tiredness and whatnot, which is probably a good thing because, you know, as we've just mentioned, we had plenty of options on the bench for to rejig things. And of course, in the summer, he made a big point if we wanted to reduce the average age, so we'd be more a more athletic team, 
a team that goes to the very end. I think he used the word, we'd be the fittest team in the league, which we definitely are not. We're nowhere near that. Nowhere near it. And then, you know, I mean, all that kind of credibility goes out the window when you watch Andy Murray playing, you know, elite level tennis on a hard court with a metal hip for four hours until like 4 a.m. in the morning. With all the resources we have, the facilities, you know, everything. You played for five hours 45, Gavin. Uh, Five hours 45. Five hours 45. And that was easy. That was was 48 hours after playing for, I think, four plus nearly five hours in an hour five star. So this idea about tiredness because they played for 120 minutes on Sunday for me is like, get that out of the fucking way. What you're saying is they all need robo hips. Yes. Yes, we need exactly we it. need to start signing cyborgs. Yeah, um, that'd be but a yeah. good idea. I don't think they can defend. <laughs> That'd be worse. <laughs> yeah, like I say, with all the things, with all the sports science, all the the um the ways that professional athletes go about recovery, there's no excuse to. And the goals we concede are not the result oh. of players being tired. It's the result of just years now of standards just falling off a cliff. Yeah. Before we move on, just look at some of the more damning elements of what's what came about after um, Wednesday night. Joe Lewis, man, what I, I felt so sorry for the poor bastard on Wednesday night. I'm not gonna lie. I know that this probably won't be very popular amongst a lot of people who seem to have decided that Joe is um now to be kind of thrown to the wolves. But he comes in and Jesus Christ, what about a replication of last season once again? At halftime, he'd conceded 120% of the shots he'd faced. Like talk about when your luck's out your luck's out once again like i look at all the goals from wednesday night i don't think you can really fault them at any of them maybe the first maybe a, maybe a confident goalkeeper comes and cleans everybody out and takes but let's be honest cross is not doing that on say, on that note there are people there seems like there's a small section of people who are maybe too young to really remember joe lewis when he was at his absolute peak when he was in aberdeen number one and have decided that he's one of the worst goalkeepers we ever had, which is obviously nonsense. But yeah, um, the first goal. If anyone's going to tell me that Joe Lewis standing on his line, Kelrus would have done any different. Uh-uh, not buying yeah. it. First one, I don't think he can do very much about it. Second one, he could do nothing with. Third one, he can do nothing with. It's a penalty. Fourth. I oh, could dive the right way. He could. Fourth, he gets badly exposed on it. It's a tap in for Ginelli, basically. And the fifth, it takes a deflection on its way in. So I think he had, I think he only faced six shots on target in the entire game, saved one, five went in. His his hashtag data plummets through the fucking floor once again. But I think it was more shit Joe Lewis could have done about it. And I just feel sorry for him at this stage. I think focusing on the shots versus goals conceded is fair. But you got to ask yourself, why are so many shots being conceded? Because there is no defence. So, like, I appreciate he's part of the defence, but everyone, the only time a goal scored, it's easy to be like, oh, it was keeper, because he's the last man, effectively. But whoever, however that move built up, it usually starts from maybe not defending from the front or the midfield being weak or the defence just not being very good. Like, was it the second one? It's just, a, it's not quite a shell of the park. It's a diagonal. And all of a sudden, the boy's all on his own. And it's a big surprise to everyone that someone's running in behind. So I feel like, oh, I do like Joe Lewis. But it's easy to point fingers at the keeper. But I feel like you got if you look at any move, there's a handful of people who've let the team down before there's an opportunity to shoot and go. I think you can dissect every goal and find something just equally laughable about all of it. <laughs> yeah, you can. And the yeah. first, the yeah. first goal, like we never score goals like that. No, we don't. 
because opposition teams don't let us score goals like that. It's a long throw. It ricochets. But, yeah, off but also two. remember, we have to take five minutes before we take the throw in. This is very true. Yeah. So everyone, we have to wait till everyone's marked up and checked and okay and that before we then take a throw in. So we wouldn't do that. Long throw ricochets off two bodies, lands at Hart's attacker goal. You know, second goal because we don't bother pressing. You know, we give Tony Sipic all the time in the world to make him look like Virgil Van Dyke. Plays, which you know, he's a diagonal, not, by the way, which he's not. Plays it out and Hayden Colson, like I like Hayden Colson, but I mean this guy, he does not know where he is, he doesn't know where the ball is, he doesn't know where um, Michael Smith is, doesn't it's, know what day of the week it is, looking at that, to be honest with you. He just doesn't know what planet he's on. It's it's horrendous. The third goal, I mean how that's a penalty, I don't well, really know. I think um, I think, right, in fairness, I think by the rule, by the letter of the law as it was being applied at the start of the season in Scotland that is a penalty kick. The problem now is the fact that the handball rule in Scotland appears to have become... Nobody knows what's going on with it anymore because we've all seen the incident from Hearts submitting at Tynecastle from Friday night where Rowles is worse than the Liam Scales one and VAR looks at that and goes, nah, nothing to see here. I was going to say, if we time travel to, you know, Aberdeen Livingston when, yeah, just if it all hits your hand, it's handball and that's all there is to it. And if... If that's what it is, then people understand. But then you throw that one in the mix. You throw in all the Rangers handballs have not been, and what's been deemed to now be a natural reaction or a natural movement. And then you see that. I mean, I see some jabronis from with Maroon in their Twitter bios saying that, well, if you jump with your arms flailing by your sides and you're just asking for trouble, it's like, well, no, that's not the case. And then, I mean, what, the fourth goal? Scales, fourth doesn't, goal. Get, Scales doesn't get close to, I think, Shankland. McCrory doesn't get close to Janelli. And then the fifth, goal, is. <laughs> the fifth goal is arguably the worst because we have Cami Devlin driving at our 18-yard line and we have got defenders who are backtracking. Yeah, I know. Holy fuck. Awful. Well, especially in that situation where there's a number of them, someone just go and engage. Because like, if, you, if you're the last man, I understand why you may be um, a bit more reticent to do that. If it's a three-on-one or a two-on-one, then yeah. Yeah, but we've got I the numbers. So that, someone but... goes out and tries to tackle which is kind of your job and it doesn't work out you've got cover so it's just woeful to see the whole i mean at least defenders were actually sort of in the right positions but then they're all just trotting back towards <laughs> lewis I feel, I feel like maybe one or two of them have listened to our show and talk, heard us about that maldini quote that if you have to attack you made a mistake yeah well, yeah, yeah okay taken it too, they've taken it too literally so if anyone's okay. listening you're allowed to engage the opponent so that might mean sliding in a la tony stewart not always a good idea <laughs> It might mean just a bit of jostling. Maybe you could track them back. I don't know. Do something. Don't run away from them. <laughs> Do yes, something. Yes, but the something isn't running away from them. Somewhere Andrew Constantine's playbook must be there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, Grab the all, shirt if need yeah, be. Yeah, give it the old bear. All off. in all. Yeah. <laughs> all in all. <laughs> a disastrous evening's um, football. Um, yeah, to borrow a quote from Mark Renton, a shite state of affairs. Yeah, absolutely. I, I nine points now behind Hearts in third. Um, for me, that's third place gone. I can't see us claiming that back, given how utterly horrific her form on the road is. I just can't see it. I, I don't think any team who aspires to come third can rely on the waveform we've had this season to even come close to doing it. Looking at some of the other data points, we now have the second, the joint second worst defense in the league. Um, we were only saved the ignominy of being bottom of that because Kilmarnock conceded a later one against Sevco. 
on Wednesday night. As well, we've got the third worst away record in the league, which actually seems surprising. I thought we'd probably have the worst, but there we go. Two, we're, only, we're two points off fourth now. The fourth have a game in hand on us, and it's January. Two wins in our last ten. All in all, we're, we're as close to we're as close now to third as we are to the relegation playoff spot. There we go. Which sounds similar to eerily similar to where we were under Stephen Glass this time last year. Good thing is though that all our results will go our way for the rest of the season. Yes, indeed. We have to come off of talking about Wednesday night. I think we have to now talk about. I think the impact that this has, and there's all the focus once again has to go on the manager, doesn't it? I mean, on one hand, the manager presumably <laughs> doesn't tell the team to go out and play like a bunch of dicks, but he has to carry the can for it. He admitted it on Wednesday night that the buck stops with him. Can an Aberdeen manager really, truly? survive a 5-0 defeat at Tynecastle in the same season that you've been beating for four at, at, at Tannadice? Well, the answer is yes, because he's still there. <laughs> and being but. moving on from being flippant, I think... I think I <laughs> no, think no, stay with the flippant. I think he's going to, because it's two days after. We're running towards the end of a transfer window. If you're going to do it, you do it after Wednesday. He's still here. He's going to take charge on... Monday, I can't see us doing something. This is Friday the 20th. You play Darvel on Monday the 23rd. So he's going to be in seat at that point, in my opinion. I can't see us doing anything over the weekend. So then you've got a week left of the window. I don't I don't see them doing anything. Uh, to be fair, Dave, Dave has already laid out to us we're not sending anyone else now because we had our yearly tweet from him that it's a tough window and we ain't signing anyone else if you read between the lines. You want to talk about eerily similar. Yeah, I know. Soon um, it'll be the photoshopped head on Willie Miller's body. Well, he's also back to manager and he's never gone back in his word like that before. So therefore he's staying. <laughs> um, ran a poll at the end. Uh, I think I think we maybe ran this poll while the game was still going on because I think it was safe <laughs> to say we were not, we were not recovering <laughs> that situation from uh, uh, 1,006 votes. Uh, 77% said he should have gone. But like Graham says, he's still here. So the answer is yes, you can survive that. Whether you should is a different matter. Okay, so, but but would you also agree, though, that, right, even if he survives right now in the immediate aftermath of this, right, I mean, fucking hell, Mark McGee's, Mark McGee's survived a 9-0 for an hour two weeks, right? Only three points. Only three Mark points. Mark McGee's also a free agent. Just throwing that out there. Maybe that's why we're not doing anything. It's just the sheer fear <laughs> that that's where we're going to end up. Um, But realistically, right, it's like a slippery slope thing, isn't it? Like even if the even if the chairman comes out and gives him his backing, which he hasn't really done, there's been nothing public about this yet. But based on everything that I think we've heard now about Thursday's goings on at Petodri at Cormac Park, I need to come back to that in a minute or two as well. Actually, um, I suspect that in the meeting that has been held between Cormac and Goodwin, he's been told he has to win the next two games or he's gone. Well, then why didn't they have that meeting at the start of the season? He'd been winning every game by now. <laughs> yeah. Um, the leadership not fronting up when shit's hitting the fan, that is also, uh, yeah, that's not unheard of. Um, I think for me, it's 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 definitely, I've been, I feel like I've been very, very patient with, with the Jim Goodwin era. But um, yeah, I, it's now a matter of when, not if. 
but that's the point, isn't it? When you like a defeat like that coupled on to a 4 0 at Tanavice. Even the former Ibrox was horrendous. The the one 0 defeat at home to Celtic was bad. Three one defeat to St Mirren. Three one St Mirren, yeah, very good. The three one even at Hibs. You know, when you start adding all of those on cumulatively, yeah, yeah. I, I can't think of like I think back to ta- I think I always go back and think about defeats that signalled what was clearly the end point for a manager in, in Aberdeen's history, and I think back to Roy Aitken's Aberdeen being scudded at Tanadice, and you're like, you can't recover from that as an Aberdeen manager. You know, Willie Miller, it happened to him at Kilmarnock. Alex Miller, I think, was Kilmarnock as well. Ebb was just, like, having a fucking horrendous run and it just felt like it had to end at some point. Um, Steve, Steve Patterson, it could have been just take your pick of any game. Yeah, Mark McGee. I mean, the 9 nils what did him, ultimately. He hung on for two more weeks, I think it was. But it was inevitable. Was gonna, You know, he was never yeah. coming back from that. Uh, it, was, it was inevitable. It wasn't going to work before that. But that was yeah. that was the final nail. Yes, yes indeed. I think that there are certain results which are always pivotal in the the moment of a manager's career. Stephen Glass, Dundee at Dens Park. Yeah, quite pro- quite probably, actually, in fairness. I think it almost felt inevitable after that, didn't it? No matter what happened. did for me um, when I was standing in that away end. Yeah, I know. Um, I, I, on one hand, I'm really astonished that we have got to this point now and we're still in a situation where Goodwin's still in situ. He looked, to me, like a beaten man on Wednesday night in his in his, his post-match pre- press conference. He looked still shell-shocked on Thursday in his Darvel um, pre-match conference. And I expect that to be the case. He should be. It's a fucking horrendous state of affairs. But it, it's going to go back again to the... And we've said it a number of times now already on the show about this. It was Joe Scared. And as much as I have to give uh, Jambo credit in the week that they've just scudded us 5-0, our worst ever defeat to Hearts, I should add. Um... Too often, football clubs, football managers, uh, chairman, etc., wait until it's catastrophic before acting. And right now, I think third's gone, but I think the season's salvageable in the sense of at least finishing fourth and getting back into Europe. And there's still a run at the Scottish Cup to go. But the longer we persevere with this, the harder that becomes to see how that happens. And then it's another fucking right off of a season again. I kind of feel that we're yeah verging very close to that being the case. Another another year gone. Um, Hearts most likely in pole position now to take third place and secure that European money again. Yeah, uh, if yeah, if it was my club, he'd he would have been gone. As much as anything, you know what? Because I think to, to put him out was misery. Because like you say, he looks broken. I agree with elements of that, but what no one's really focusing on, in my opinion, is a third negligent January transfer window that leaves another manager that you've invested in basically leaves them being hung out to dry. I, I yeah. don't disagree that it's not going brilliantly and I have said since day one, I don't understand how Goodwin got the job. Don't ever believe he's up to it. Nothing really changed my opinion. But I don't think this is entirely the fault of the manager. Now, a couple of things... I think that one you were well, so you were saying, and again, I know Gary, we've debated this sort of not on the podcast and the pub and that this whole philosophy and structure pish. If there's a philosophy and basically the signings are effectively dictated to the manager, you can't then have the manager come in and say, Well, I don't want any defenders and I want this and I want that. The the point yeah. is that the club is saying, No, we need these positions and basically this is the list of players we can 
get after and you'll get a say in it. So I guess where I'm going with this is I don't think under the current structure it's totally the buck stops with the manager that maybe it was under previous regimes where I think the manager had a lot more autonomy and control and did decide who he got, when he got them and where they played. Some of this, I think, is driven by or is imposed on Goodwin. So I don't think he's totally responsible for the mess in terms of the squad. And I don't think he's responsible for the fact that it's the 20th of January and none of the squad deficiencies have been addressed. So, yeah, it's not going brilliantly. Yeah, you can bin him, but you've got to look further up the food chain. It's three seasons in a row now they fucked us up. And if you bin him, do you trust anyone above him to get him right? They've had two appointments and that would be a 100% failure rate. If you were quality control at Durex, you'd have been bent long ago. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I was about to, not quite in those words, but I was about to go down that route of, um, I agree with those on, on Twitter that made this point as well, that you know what, sacking Jim Goodwin is not the be-all and end-all no, way I, to solve I, our problems. Um, and yeah, like, like Graham says, you, we've got... There's been a fundamental issue with the football club for a number of years now, and the timing correlates very nicely with with Dave Cormack having a bigger say in the running of the football club, and that's not going to change. And I, when it comes to that philosophy thing, I almost feel like this has been used as a buffer mm. to excuse our performances the last two years to be this club. I remember what Tom Watt said to us the first time we spoke to him about this whole thing: "It's we're going to be a team that plays expansive attacking football." And we're going to develop all our youth players and we're going to play a certain way through the whole system. And then we're going to have this recruitment policy where we, you know, bring players in from markets abroad and then sell them on. This whole idea that every football club wants and very, very few are able to execute. And we just keep going back to it. It's like, well, you know, the philosophy is going to take time. No, since we've, since we've um, implemented that, the standards at Aberdeen have dropped off a cliff and we don't, I don't have the personnel in place to even implement it if we wanted to. And that's evidenced by the fact that, you know, under Stephen Glass, I think we started with a back three or maybe it was a back four. I can't remember, but we changed halfway through the season. With a four. We moved to a three. And then we changed back to a four. Under yeah. Jim Goodwin, we said, we're going to do four, two, three, one, four, three, three. Had a few bad results. The next thing you know, we're, we've changed to a back three. Yeah. And now we're changing back to a back four. If we've got people in place to make this structure work, someone should have been Jim Goodwin's ear saying, no, that's not the way it works. That's not what you agreed to do when you took the job. That's not the job spec that we gave you. Yeah, and this the, the, this gets to a very interesting point as well, Gav, about this, because I think the three of us on this call are agreed. It, Goodwin's time is up. It is done. Like I, I can't see him recovering from this, and it's, it is now just a matter of when uh, and not if. It would take a run of form that I don't think any Aberdeen manager has ever been capable of or has ever achieved. With the exception of an obvious one. I doubt Alex Ferguson won every game he had at Aberdeen from January 20th to the end of the season. Not far off, to be fair. Um, the 79-80 title season we pretty much did. And to be fair, Alex Smith and Jockey Scott did um, in the run into the 1990 title decider. We pretty much won every game. We went unbeaten from January through till May. Anyway, um, just a little out? history correction there. Forget. Oh, I'll tell you what, Gav, if we fucking end up somehow challenging the title <laughs> the last day of the season this year, I'll fucking take it right now. Can you um, imagine, can imagine Kel Roos against Mark Haitley? I think it's probably even mathematically... Kel Roos against Mark Haitley. Mm. 
yeah. I, I, it's probably even mathematically impossible for us to even get to that sort of stage. Never mind. Um, where was I going with this? Because I had to just fact check Gav there because I don't get to do that very often. Um, I'm not certain it is inevitable he'll go. I think it is. I just can't see it happening. I just, I just can't see him recovering from this. I, I mean, well, put it this way, right? If we don't, if we, if we lose at Darvel on Monday night, he's gone, right? There's absolutely no fucking question about that. If we scrape a win at Darvel, two 0 comfortable, but that's what should happen theoretically. We'll come on to Darvel Darvel preview later. But if we get scudded at Easter Road again in a loser leaves town slobber knocker. He's he's gone. He has to be because at that point you'd have Hibs. I think I think Hibs. I haven't got the I haven't got the league table in front of me now. I think Hibs would go ahead of us. Hibs are two points behind us with the same game. Right. So yes, they would. Hibs would jump ahead of us, and they've been fucking rotten this season. Well, spoiler alert. So have we. Yeah, I know, but that's that's the point. But you guys are right. I, the 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 and other people say this are right as well. Like we can bend Goodwin. But fundamentally, does that change anything? If Goodwin goes, it will appease a lot of people. I'll be happy. Yeah, and I, I, I 100% understand why people are clamouring for him to go or think that it's just a matter of time. I absolutely understand that. It will appease probably the majority of people. But I don't believe... it. I don't think it is the real root cause of the state we are... We're in. I mean, it's if you not. take the transfer windows, three no, transfer windows in a row, three different managers, it's not the manager's fault that the club's just basically written off a season in January. So yeah. I, I can see where people are coming from, but I'm also thinking, there's a bit of me that, well, you know, you, if you lose on Monday, that probably is that. You, you can't come back from that, and that's inexcusable. But if you're just bumbling along sort of mid-table, it's almost like, why would you not keep him in the seat? Because you just get all the ire going to Goodwin. And then in the summer, you bin him, you get the new manager, hopefully get the squad shape right, and you get that good feeling. All that's going to happen is he rumbles along till February or March, you bin him, you've got a lopsided squad, you get a new guy in who can't do much with it, and then you go into summer and everyone's pissed off for the new guy. So I don't see how changing him out is really going to change that much. Because it goes back to the point I made earlier, you then got to rely on the same people to recruit someone, and they fucked it up twice in a row. If you've been Goodwin, and yeah, well, this is why I came back to the beginning of the window. If you want to change him out, and there, I think there was enough evidence to suggest that it wasn't working going into January, that you can make that change and then give a new manager. And that, but we're right; we're not going to change the manager until Tuesday. It's too fucking Assu- late. Assuming, assuming that we lose, like we lose to Darville or we draw and we get through on penalties, it'll be Tuesday. Then we have to go and get a new manager. By that point, the window will be done. Yeah, so like, I, I, just like Graham says, it's it's it won't change anything. This is where the idea about the recruitment setup has to has to be called in question to an extent, though. Again, is because there should be an argument there to suggest that the recruitment side, the director of football side, can still continue even though there's not a manager in place. I totally agree, and that's how I think we all understood it to work. That that basically just but clearly that's also not happening. Yeah, because it, we've, exactly. We've got because it's another window. halfway house thing. It makes no fucking sense. Yes, no, I totally agree. I think if it was working the way it works in other clubs who have this set up, to a degree, the recruitment and the coaching are independent. And by that, I mean like you say the the recruitment's always ongoing, so players will always yeah. be coming and going, and you have this idea of what you're recruiting, and you're basically just saying to someone. 
you're going to be the coach and this is how it's going to be done because this is how we recruit people and you take it or you leave it. And if you sign up for it, uh, you can't then come bleating about, oh, I don't have the right players because you know what you were getting involved with. And changing out, the, you probably do call them the coach, changing out the coach is less risky because they're not really sort of an integral part of the furniture the way an old school manager would be and they haven't had an influence on the recruitment to the same extent so it's less of a risk and then by that logic you would have whereas you're always basically updating your list of players that you're keeping an eye on you'd have a managerial list that you're refreshing and keeping tabs on so that you're kind of working them both in in tandem does anyone seriously think we've got a list right now of managers no i don't think they have any idea what they're doing it was well, a lazy appointment to get a good one. Yeah. And if they bin him, they've wasted another January, so another season gone. Arguably another manager not getting a chance. But if they did, if they did, he wouldn't be here now. We're talking, you know, we're all pissed off after Wednesday. Wednesday's just the continuation of a trend. So if they if they were going to do it, he'd have been gone by now. I mean, unless they have realized that, you know, the last two, you know, managerial appointment processes. <laughs> have been suboptimal, that maybe they have started to put that thought process in place. For all we know, maybe they do have a bit of a plan of this, but I have literally no confidence right now that that's the case based on the evidence at hand. And that's a huge issue. You know, I just stopped to think about, um, we've got intel that, yeah, Cormac and Goodwin had a, a meeting on... Well, we don't have intel now because Goodwin then admitted, Goodwin then admitted in his press conference. We'd heard about it prior to that. But yes, um, what I was thinking, if, if it was a, a one-on-one meeting with Dave Cormack and Jim Goodwin, where was our DOF in this? Yes. Thank you, Gavin. Thank you. But this gets me back to our point. And again, oh, sorry. Actually, let me, um, let me just reaffirm that. I'm going to put quotation marks. <laughs> DOF. Um, not the DOJ. I get... <laughs> Not the D-O-double-G. D-O-A. Remember the disciples are called? <laughs> Terrible tag team. Eight ball and... Skull. Skull? Yeah. Horrendous. Anyway. Um... <laughs> Where were we? On a football podcast. Thank you. Cheers, <laughs> Thanks for reminding us. Gunner, right. Again, I don't know how many times we've had to do this. I'm sure that he's a massive Aberdeen fan. and I'm sure he's a, he's, he's, he's a good guy. Um, and I'm sure that he... Absolutely wants to have the very best for Aberdeen Football Club. But, Gav, as you say, it was meant to be a one-on-one session between Cormac and Goodwin. Why is the director of football not involved, given that the manager reports to the director of football? Not in theory. Theoretically. Our entire structure could just be summed up with the two words, in theory. Yeah, it could be. You're right. Just realise realize that. But even more, Graham, I think it was you just said a minute ago, if the manager's not doing the thing he's been told to do, or he's been told, this is your job, as per job spec, as per interview... Do you really see Stephen Gunn having that sort of word with Jim Goodwin? Well, maybe that's my Cormac man. Yeah, but you, you, you know I what I mean, though. Like Goodwin, any guys like Goodwin and these guys who've played the game, and I'm not saying that that's a right. I'm also not saying that this idea about they've played the game, so that's the most important thing. But they're just going to fucking laugh at somebody like Stephen Gunn coming in and telling well, them they, how to they do. can do. But ultimately, he's got the power to bin him. So. You can, but does he? But does well, he? If you, well, according to the organic organogram, in theory, <laughs> yeah, yeah. The what? The what? The organogram. Organic. You not heard that? I think, I think you can that, tell Gav doesn't work a, in a corporate organization. That's seven post watershed. Anytime there's an update to the organogram, you always check it to see if you're higher than the people you think you should be. <laughs> and if you're on the same level, you get annoyed. 
Organic. Yeah. I'll take you through one sometime. They're interesting reading. So, I don't know about that. That sounds like I need to put a bleep function in here. So, well, anyway, this, I mean, Where are people, we? obviously the rumor mill goes on in overdrive, but it's not, I don't really see why there's all the excitement that Cormac would be meeting with Goodwin. It probably happened regularly. It maybe always happened around this time, and it's not a surprise that he'd be meeting him after a result like that. It doesn't necessarily mean that it's Tatties. Or maybe what halted everything was that Goodwin just waved the compensation clause in his face. <laughs> <laughs> and then Cormac said, oh, yeah. And he's now breaking in, opening his piggy banks to see what's there. <laughs> Rounded up Tom Crotty for another. Well, you know, behind, behind the sofa, that sort of stuff. It's all it's all empty because Jets eating it in golden steaks. Literally consumed the compensation part. Yeah, he's literally consumed his. <laughs> <laughs> it's a fucking mess, isn't it? It's a fucking mess. I saw some people during the week going like, "Why are Hearts now like you know Hearts?" <laughs> who let's not forget, like three seasons ago, we're in the championship. Like, and people, like, how have Hearts done this? And it's like. Because I'll look at this and I'll go, well, it's not because Robbie Nielsen is like the second incarnation of, I don't know. <laughs> Insert good manager here. Insert good manager here. I don't, I don't even know who I want to pick. He because... appears to be trying to go for the Guardiola look right now. Yeah, I know, I know. I physically, <laughs> not on the football pitch. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> um, but Nielsen's not become this like amazing football manager all of a sudden. That's that's not what's happened here. Um, what has happened here is that Hearts have actually appointed a very good director of football in Joe Savage. And Hearts' recruitment, in fairness to them over the last two or three years, has been very good. Um, I don't think you can question that. I think the recruitment has been very good in, in, in the main over the last two three years. They're recruiting better players. They've got a clear structure and a clear philosophy about how they're going to play the game and how they're going to work. And it's paying dividends for them because they've got the right fucking people in the right seats. And what a fucking surprise. Jink Joe Savage's best pals with Ann Budge. Jink Joe Savage was fucking booking the flights to wherever. And you know what I mean? We even heard from Joe Skid last week. (laughs) We even heard from Joe Skid last week that part of the problems they had in their European run this season was on logistical stuff. (laughs) Right? And I hate using this. I hate using this to, 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 to do it. I think everyone we've spoken to who knows about the inner workings of the club and stuff and knows people on an individual basis. And I, I really do. I don't like going in two-footed on people on a personal level. Everyone spoke to who said Gunnar's like a good guy, a nice guy, a very good football administrator person from that perspective. But also every single one of these people I've spoken to has also said, not a director of football, not suited for that job. If that, like it's easy to single out that role, but uh, all roads end at the top and that's Cormac. I, I know, I yep. know, I know, I know, I know. And that's, that's, I was, I was just working my way up. Working my so way if you up look at an pyramid. organogram, Gavin, it's a bit like a triangle. You've got your minions yeah. <laughs> and then your lesser minions and so on and so forth. And then you get to the guy that fucks it all up and he's the one at the top. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a bit like a, it's a bit like a pyramid selling scheme. Is it pyramid selling again? Well, like a Ponzi type pyramid, thing. A, pyra- a, a pyramid scheme, yeah. A pyramid scheme, yeah. It's definitely not a pyramid scheme. <laughs> it looks like a pyramid um, yeah, I, I, and again we'll, we'll come on to Cormac again in a minute because it, it does all lo- roads do lead up to the top but if we fundamentally get to a position where Goodwin has to go I think I th- I'm starting to get to points where Gunn's position is untenable now 
Because he's, there's no credibility here any longer. Again, if there ever was the beginning, but it rolls it. up to the top. Well, let's go. Let's go to Cormac then, right? Because there is there is a very, very, very valid argument. I've seen people say it again over the last couple of days that everything has turned to shit since he took the, the top chair at the club. The footballing side on the footballing has side definitely got worse. There are a lot of other things that are better than Way they better. were, but ultimately. You know, unless you're not going to go bust, people are just focused on what they see in the pitch, and that that's nowhere near as good as it had been. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that. You were just talking about Hearts. You remember that they also nearly spent their way into oblivion not that long ago. So they've yeah, recovered, they've recovered from that in the same time. Um, I did. It was a Twitter page. I think the Maroon Report, uh-huh. who was very chirpy after Wednesday, and rightfully so, because there were yeah. some Aberdeen fans going for the old third biggest club chat. And he came away with a, a little bit of a report on Hearts and Aberdeen since the year 2000. Our two teams have won three trophies since 2000. Yeah, I know, I know. For the, St. Johnston have won as many as in that many. time. Yeah, I know. Stevie for, May has won as many in that time. And he's fucking terrible. Sorry, guy. It, it's a very fair point, though. <laughs> but it is true. I mean, the two teams who, on one hand, sometimes it feels like, you know, two bald men arguing over a comb <laughs> to an extent. You know, the two teams who like to, you know, talk about ourselves being the third biggest team in the country. Yeah, we, we're we having the third biggest dick in the room contest. Yeah, you know, right. <laughs> great great stuff, lads. It's like Jim yesterday. We're in touch and distance of fourth. <laughs> cool. Thanks very much. Stick that on my season ticket brochure next season, Jim. <laughs> anyway, yeah, I, I could have sworn third place minimum was the chat in, uh, in July, but maybe I'm misremembering that. Well, Gavin, the defence will be easy to fix. Is that the stupidest thing an Aberdeen? Is that the stupidest thing an Aberdeen manager has ever said? Um, Mark McGee. It was only three points. We'll That's still, stupider for you. Yeah, we'll still take that precedent, but that will be on Jim Goodwin's metaphorical Aberdeen manager tombstone. Yeah. Um, Jim Boyle asked us, "Have you guys ever made a statement you regret?" Yes. Yeah, kids. Undoubtedly. Yeah, yeah I, I have too. Definitely. Have you ever said it in front of the like world's media? The world's media. I think you might be overestimating well, Scottish football's media. The quote unquote third biggest team can draw in. in terms of the media. <laughs> what St. John's? Messi thing? almost fell off his seat when he heard Goodwin said that. He's like, no way, no way. <laughs> <laughs> he is gone. Banana. Yeah, exactly. I, I don't think you you kind of you can't really win in these situations because if he's if he's all negative and he says, look we're garbage, our budget's not much, I'm going to do about 7th or 8th, it's the best. Obviously, we're all going to be nuts. As soon as he comes out and says something <laughs> that he can't then achieve, we're all ripping into him. So it was a bit silly and naive to say the defence would be easy to fix. That didn't need to be said. I, yeah. I, I would never look at Declan Gallagher in my defence and say, this is going to be an easy fix. Tell you what, not when Lee Sharp is part of my coaching staff. What does he fucking do? A genuine question. I, you, Gav, you and I and Graham, we watched at Hamden Park the the, the, um, the pre-game drills in inverted commas. What is Lee? What does Lee Sharp do? Please, someone answers on a postcard, please. It's quite the inverse from when like Tony Doherty was taking the pre-match. <laughs> it really is. Um, also, if anyone could tell me who the and I don't want to sound harsh, but who the sort of short squat bloke is. <laughs> That walks around our half in the pre-match. Slee Sharp. I'd just like to know. Um, Cormac, let's go back to Cormac really quickly because <clears throat> this is the, it, it's it's a it's a big issue now. 
is around where are we going with him I, I, there are some things that have been there are certain things that have been massively improved since Dave Cormack came in the door there's absolutely no question about that um, and I actually saw somebody say this to me as well it was like is it not just our luck that we finally get a chairman who's willing to kind of put his hand in his pocket and fund transfers and fund wages for players um, we finally put in place a recruitment team and we're scouring the markets to find different players and we've been successful to an extent in unearthing some really talented players as a result of doing that but then we would land with a fucking manager like Jim Goodwin or Stephen Glass at the same time that this happens and you know for years um, we cried out for this in theory we're in the best position we've been in for a long long time from a financial point of view to really invest in the squad and push on especially when you know, third was guaranteed access to pile of cash last season. So yeah. it is extremely disappointing and frustrating that when you're in the almost like the best position from a, an operational point of view to really push on and Definitely. go and show people, yeah, go and show people what you, you know, show the fans what the club can do now and in spending power and what we can bring in terms of success. And here we are in January again with a negligent transfer window and talking about being a manager. It's, it's pretty inexcusable. With, with a team that have lost as many games as it's drawn or won. Um, I, I was just thinking about this like today, earlier, and, um, you know, I, I just, I, I kind of feel like the standards have just dropped so drastically in the last few years. I just look back at things and, you know, you think of like the COVID-8, for example, like off the field, you know? Yeah. What an embarrassment that was. Alan Russell coming in when it came to light what him and his brother got up to. <laughs> Fucking schmuck. Um, Has he, is he been still in Norwich? Norwich? Is he still in Norwich? He, I don't know. I'm going to go and look at that. Carry on, Gav. Carry on your rant. Uh, any, anyway, I mean, some some of the players that have worn the shirt the last five years, how did Funzo Ojo nearly play like 100 games for Aberdeen? He never played as many as that, did he? Uh, he was a pretty much a first-teamer. Maybe between like 50 and 100. I don't know exactly, but... Whatever it was, it was too many. I'll tell you how many it and was. Then, 70, 76. 76. And out of that, he had the whole season practical on loan. My point is made. How did how did Curtis Main wear number nine for Aberdeen? Recruitment's just, you know, we've taken in some truly terrible players. You look at things like Ronnie Hernandez saga, where we would have been better off just taking that money and setting on fire. I nearly forgot about Ronnie Hernandez. What happened to that strategic you know, partnership or whatever corporate jargon it was with Atlanta? The, I was going to say the, the, the link up with Atlanta that in reality is like giving what us... about Juventus? <laughs> <laughs> well, they're, they're pissed these days, so maybe we well, can I mean, beat them. Well, I mean, they'll be like, they'll, they'll be in administration by like the end of the month, aren't they? So. Yeah, we, we saw the writing on the wall um, and bailed out of that one. <laughs> yeah, that was our choice. Yes, 100%. I dumped her, not the other way around. Probably not going to get that sell-on fee for Lewis Ferguson now. Um, where was I going? Yeah, so you got, you got that. I mean, yeah, the link up with Atlanta, which in reality has given us the pleasure of watching John Gallagher for six months. And Jagger. And the manager. Yeah. Come on, Gav. What have we given them? It's not all negative. Yeah, exactly. Gave them Ronnie Hernandez. Hey, Gav, come on. We, we, nearly, we nearly washed our face on that transfer. On a, on a, on a silver platter. And then, yeah, <laughs> got this 
I love Graves cool. had a nervous looking cool for that. You get this quad put philosophy that in reality has led to to certainly one disastrous season and another season that's you know verging that way. And so much cash has been burned through payoffs because players haven't worked out. You know, characters that the whole thing's just a mess. And think how much money we've spent in the last two seasons. Well, I was going to say as well, we've, three. Just, we've, we've, think- just, we've just posted for the second time a five million pound operational loss. So. Build Hernandez in all this as well. Think about money we've just like absolutely pissed up the wall in recent seasons. I mean, between Hernandez and Shaden Morris, I think over a million. Yep. Technically, ten Tommy. Technically, Wrights. just the price of Morris. I mean, the price of Morris. Yeah, I mean, like, but that's still a spicy. Vinny Bajewin. Vinny Bajewin. There's clearly some issues between the manager and Vinny Bajewin that Bajewin's not trusted at all to play at the moment. Whatever those reasons might be, we're not party to, I don't know. But we've invested a lot of fucking money in Vinny Bajowin as well. And that's not looking like it's going to bear much in the way of fruit at this moment in time if he doesn't either A, pull his finger out of his backside and play, or if the manager decides something to fancy him. Between him and Morris alone, that's the guts of a million quid. That's Richardson you know, was expensive. Richardson, Richardson, throw that in, it's over a million just on those three alone. Cal Roberts is taking home real money. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. I know. I know. But I'm not again, gonna do the Cal Roberts one because he's not for fit. So fuck. I'm not gonna go in that one. That, that's fair. But also, we had a reason to believe this could happen. That is also true. Yes, fair. Um, Christian Ramirez. Christian Ramirez. Oh, yeah. Like we paid a fee for Christian Ramirez. He was earning a decent fucking wedge of money every week. Declan Gallagher wouldn't have come here cheap. David Bates wouldn't have come here cheap. Marley Watkins will be on a decent wedge, I imagine. Think how m- Scott Brown. Scott Brown. Think how much fucking money has just been pissed up the wall in the last two years alone. And at the way things are looking, will continue to be. Yeah. Um because you talk about those you talk about Bajowin and Morris alone, those are two guys with chunky, chunky contracts in terms of both money and length. Yes. Thanks, Gav. Thanks so yeah, I mean yeah, it's just it's it's yeah. There's there's no there's no other way of playing it. It's it's been a mess, and I I don't trust him to be the one capable of fixing. Don't trust the, who? the Dave Cormack. What does he need to do? Here's a question: then. What does he need to do to to embolden some trust in you and maybe the support about turning this around? Um, not just the, the could not just the Goodwin thing. The club as a whole, in terms of where it's heading on a footballing level. Uh, cancel the trust fund for his grandchildren and give it all to the club. For what though? But in all seriousness, but that doesn't work, does it? Because it just gets pissed up the wall anyway with the way we're going. I don't think it's a financial thing. Massively irresponsible spending. I don't think it's a financial (laughs) thing. Well, yeah, that would be quite funny for a bit. I don't actually think it's, I don't think it's money that Cormac needs to provide. He, I think he needs to decide what does he want from this? So if he wants all the glory and the good and the bad stuff. He needs to be here all the time and he needs to be more engaged and visible. And I don't mean the odd random tweet. I mean, sort of more actual interviews or engagement with fans and or the club. Or he needs to, and I don't think this is a sign of defeat, but he needs to accept that maybe he shouldn't be trying to run the club. Maybe there are better people out there and this you know I don't think that would be I wouldn't be looking at it and thinking oh well Cormac's fair but looking at it and saying look that is a wise 
that is a wise move. You've got someone, and also it has to be someone that he trusts, which lends itself to a slightly dangerous Nepotism. appointment. Well, yeah, you get into that or you... Welcome back, your new CEO, Stephen Glass. Oh, do you know what? The danger is you just put someone in place to appease <laughs> chumps like me, but it's not really a real position. It's a puppet position. You need someone who's yeah. independent or has a degree of autonomy to make decisions without always having to go back to Cormac yeah. so that you basically just leave the club to be run on your behalf, but you've got to have the right people. In. And the, pe- the right people are out there. You know, are they, of course they, they are. exist, not just in the footballing world, they exist in the business world, they exist in a lot of professions and you could look to other yeah. clubs and get advice. I think that's that's the biggest thing I think he could do. It's not, I don't think we need, obviously if you want more money, but the danger is you're then, you know, we're all already losing cash the last couple of seasons as you try and chase it. So I don't think it's a financial piece we need from it. It's just that uh, getting the right people in. And I don't think he's he's got that. It would work for him as well, though, on like a personal level to do this. Give someone else the grief. Because you... Well, exactly. Yeah. You hear sometimes about this, people saying, oh, like he, he doesn't like the flak and stuff. And it's like, but the flak comes with the territory, I'm afraid. If you... Huh? If you put yourself out there to be the guy who's running the club then ultimately the buck stops with you, as you've just said there, Graham. And I was like, I, I, I've i argued about it till I'm blue in the face with people this, because people don't like to hear this like sometimes about their football club because they just think the football club should be the football and that's it, right? But at the same time, the, it's a business. Like it has to wash its face every season, every year from a financial perspective. Otherwise, we're just going to end up in a situation where it's just untenable any longer for, for, for the club to continue from a financial perspective. So it has to wash its face. So it has to perform like a business sometimes. And if Cormac wants to be the chairman, great, perfect. If he wants to invest money, brilliant, all happy. I'll take that. Of course I will. But as you say, Graham, he either has to be hands-on, full-time at it, and more visible on it, I think, i.e. being here more often than he's not. But that doesn't work for him because he wants to have his life in the States, which again, I'm not going to begrudge him. He can absolutely do that. I don't have any objections to that, but you can't have your cake and eat it, is my take on this. That needs to have a strong chief executive officer type, chief operating officer type, in Aberdeen, at Patology or Cormac Park, who is effectively running the club day-to-day for him. And he steps away from that day-to-day control because it's all being run by this guy. And the thing for me is, it would buy him so much more... It's a massive buffer, isn't it, at that point? Because then he's just the sugar daddy, the benefactor, you know, the, the beneficial owner doing his bit for the club he loves. And I don't doubt that he does. I, no, no, I totally agree with that. But when it all goes tits up, you can then point at this guy because that's his fucking job or her, well, or her job. Ultimately, he will be accountable because he will still be at the top of the food chain. But I know what you mean. He's yeah. one step removed or actually probably in reality a few because you're not in the the day-to-day noise i just think it makes sense i mean if i if i won the lottery and got the dons out of courtesy i put gavin below you only so gavin didn't get all the flack but i put you out there and be like this is the guy who's <laughs> making the decisions give him your abuse i don't want the abuse i just want to say i own the club those sentiments have been noted for when we take over they have really locals by the way excellent <laughs> um i just i look forward to because i yeah, in complete agreement. Um, day-to-day operations should go to a chief executive who, in turn, the director of football answers to. And we actually do go about setting up a, a genuine 
structure and yeah the philosophy chat can get fucked as far as i'm concerned because it's just not well, gonna the happen. Philo- i don't have a huge issue with the philosophy chat but you have to see it you have to you gotta believe it and it has to, to be tangible nobody knows what the philosophy is because this it's chopped and changed you you can't you you can't say I've got this philosophy and then I ship four goals at Tanadai, so I suddenly moved to a back three because fuck me, I've shat my pants because my captain can't defend. I wouldn't mind putting one into practice first before we start talking about how wonderful it all is. No, but yeah, I I agree, Gav, with that. But I think just saying the philosophy of these bollocks is 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 incorrect. There's there's also examples of clubs out there who've done it successfully. I can see the logic of a philosophy. Redford. But I don't see the logic of chopping and changing it. And yeah, it's not Brentford are the club Brentford are the best example of that right now going. If there's a club that we should be looking at and working out exactly how the fuck they're doing, what they're doing, it's Brentford. Well, let's buy that franchise. I look forward to Cormac agreeing with us, putting this in place, and Al Homer Simpson appointing Bart as quarter quarterback, saying, Now I introduce you your new star CEO, Mr. Stephen Gunn. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know, I know, I know. Don't worry, he calls me coach just like the rest of you. <laughs> <laughs> it's horrendous, isn't it? It feels. I actually, I think back to some of the episodes we had last season, this time last year, when we were just young pups at this whole thing, um, and, we, and we just needed to win the next game, and we'd have been third. Yeah, and not the chiselled and haggard and tired people we are tonight. Speak for yourself. But I actually feel that this is worse this year than it was last year. You know that. Um, either way, it's not good. But I mean, you're you're com- comparing shit with different kinds of shit. No, but I I can see where you're coming from in so much as this is the sort of the first season with the full structure and setup and supposedly all the right people to do the job, and it's actually no better than it was when <laughs> Glass and uh your man that nobody remembers because I Henry can't Appleby. remember him. That's the boy. We're basically winging it. <laughs> yeah, all, the, all the people they told they had been told to be in, in situ before they arrived weren't. Um, I, yeah, I, I don't know why. I feel it's worse this year. I think just because I don't know. There's it's, something I, about it. I just maybe I think maybe it's because like this feels like this could be the way forward for a, a good while now. Yeah, I think that might be part of it. I think as well that I think I'd I'd hope that they'd realise, you know, the mistakes that had been made there in the in the, in the Stephen Glass experiment and they would go okay fucking hell we can't do that again and we've just done i don't know like we've just done the opposite in one hand and gone with a inverted commas safe pair of hands and it's just it's just shite it's just fucking pish at this point i realize there's 10 11 days to go in the transfer window but at this point repeating the mistakes of the last couple of seasons by not investing in the squad when it clearly needs it at this time yeah i know and uh, there's the old adage that January is a difficult market to work in. And it's true if you're focusing on, you know, a few leagues like we probably did for a number of years. We'd look at Scotland, we'd look at England. Difficult to work because you're generally speaking, the players that are any good will be featuring for their teams and the ones that are not any good will be horrifically short of match fitness. But we're meant to be scouting 26 different countries where their league seasons have finished. So if yeah. anything... You know, you've got all the Scandinavian leagues who play Sunday, who play summer football. There should be, you know, room to maneuver there. Um, so yeah, the fact that it'll be at a minimum the twenty fourth before we see anyone, it's yeah, it's not acceptable. It's Adam. I look forward to Adam Montgomery version two on Deadlander. 
won't be Adam Montgomery because he has signed an extended deal since Adam, Adam Montgomery version 2 yeah there we go um, we'll bring Connor that... McLennan back on loan and call him a new signing <laughs> don't don't well make a play centre half because we need more wingers oh right is that enough about that for just now <sighs> that was tough it was tough I don't feel any better for that so Gary do you want to uh, tell us why Ilba Ramadani was topped on he had a good run and shot in the first five minutes of the game. Who scored our quote-unquote goal? Watkins. Marley Watkins. Marley Watkins is my top don. <laughs> there we go. Um, will we move on? Please. Uh, on to other news from Pataudry this week. I guess the big news, other than the shit show, the long-awaited departure of Christian Ramirez, legitimately this time, Back to the States to join Columbus Crew, the crew, on was a three, three live deal? crew. Was, <laughs> was it a three year deal he got there? I've not read that far into it. Anyway, um, the long running saga that is Christian Ramirez at Aberdeen Football Club under Jim Goodwin is finally over as he moves back to Columbus, Ohio in his Native America. Obviously, Ramirez joined Aberdeen in the summer of 2021. The star signing under the Stephen Glass, Alan Russell. Well, 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 put, put, some res- put some respect on Austin Samuel's name, thank you. Sorry. Uh, 60 appearances for the Dons, 18 goals in total. Uh, yeah, gents, your, your thoughts on Christian Ramirez leaving Aberdeen Football Club? It's been long overdue. Um, I'm glad that chapter has done that little sideshow, that um, almost distraction, I think, on a lot of our match days. Um, fairly nice post that he made on Twitter and Instagram. I'll be interested to see if that's the, the view he maintains, if he does a podcast or maybe an article in, in America about his time at Aberdeen. Yeah, I'm looking um, forward to that one. But um, yeah, ultimately, yeah, glad he's gone and hoping... Hoping, fingers crossed, that that fee and that uh, sizable wage being off the bill means that we can actually go and maybe sign, I don't know, a defender. A winger. Or a I goalkeeper. think it might, be, it might be going to one James Michael Goodman. Maybe <laughs> we're just waiting for the cheque to clear. Maybe this. Maybe that's what Jim actually asked for. It's just like, just let me stay one day longer than Ramirez. <laughs> so I win. And then he resigns. <laughs> <laughs> With yes. the payoff, yeah, resigned with the payoff. Yeah. <laughs> Disappointing how that worked out. Lee Sharp put into caretaker charge. Oh fuck! Oh, uh, don't, Gav. Please don't. Just. What was the guy? Um, oh, a the boy Paul Jewell's assistant. Oh, Chris Paul Humphreys. Jewell, Chris Humphreys. Humphreys. Paul Jewell would always get sacked, and then Chris Humphreys would always come as caretaker, and then get the full time gig. And then be sacked about two weeks later when everyone went, oh, actually, this guy's fucking terrible. And then we'd always link back up with Paul Joe, which I always thought weird because I thought Paul Joe would be like, where's the loyalty? I don't know. Maybe he split the payoff. Maybe. Ah, nice. Ah, yeah. See? Yeah. Nice little learner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here we go. Vincent Burner. <laughs> Lee Sharp, inch from charge. Can't wait. <laughs> when is Paul Joe going to get back in the game? I don't know. <laughs> Keep your mouth shut just in case someone's listening to this. <laughs> He needs uh, to stop being so rampant. <laughs> Remember that? Uh, yes, yes, yes. Horrendous, horrendous stuff. Anyway, there we go. Christian Ramirez 
over and out. I, I put out earlier on, I asked people if there was anything they wanted to talk about tonight. Um lots of lots of bits and pieces. Um <laughs> Bones. Why does Goodwin hate or refuse to play Vinny? Also, will we actually sign a new centre half this month? Um, Don't know. And no. And no. <laughs> <laughs> because sometimes Vinny's not very good and that's not hurt most of them out playing every week. But I was but then I was just thinking as well that there's a number of players who are not very good and always get back in the team the next week. So yeah. Yep. Maybe Jim's like gluten intolerant and he hates the fact that Vinny can eat sticky toffee pudding. I don't know. Like, I think it's that he doesn't like that Bajawin cut his hair. Cut <laughs> whose hair? Jim's or Vinny's? Vinny's. Is he jealous because he can't do cornrows? Well, neither of them can anymore. But Vinny could though. Vinny could. Yeah, I'm sure Jim could if you want. Remember to. Vinny's mad after we had the day he scored against Hibs? Why has he not kept that? That was a brilliant look. Exactly. Like Carlito. Yeah. Carlito Caribbean cool. There we go. Speaking of which, um, if Pachel, my name is Ian, wants us to discuss Bret Hart versus Mr. Perfect from SummerSlam 1991. <laughs> Wrong podcast, move on. Uh, maybe in our side project. Yeah, a barn burner, a main event in any town. Uh, Alan Patterson, why are there no central defenders anywhere in the world? <laughs> yeah, that's t- <laughs> such a scarce resource. <laughs> there's, a, there, there's plenty of them and we seem to find... A- we feel like a cruise missile for the shit ones. Yeah, indeed. Uh, Mike Douglas wants to talk about the NFL divisional round. Wrong podcast. Wrong podcast. Uh, go Eagles. Go to our side project. Uh, Brightpod, last two managers not being fully backed in January and being sacked within weeks. We've kind of touched See Graham's earlier comments. Yeah. Uh, King Cordons, discuss people that still want to go to Darvel on Monday night after the shitey week. Graham, are you going? This is your. This has got you written all over no. it. It does have Graham all over it. No, I can Im- I can see you there with your box at the back in the back row. It's got Graham all over it, <laughs> sticking fifty quid on Aberdeen <laughs> to watch us get beat one 0 Well, no, when you say uh, watch us. I mean to look at the back well, of someone. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. To stay at the back of someone's head. No, unfortunately, uh, work commitments will not permit that. So no, I will not be there. Yeah. But credit, like anyone who yeah. shelled out in it. I was going to say in advance, but you. You almost found out the day before that the tickets were on sale. So anyone who has got a ticket and is still intending to use it, then uh, I doff my cap. Fair fucking play. You are mad. Um, but honestly, I think we sold like 900 tickets within the first 24 hours of them being... The thing is, it didn't matter what they did to the allocation, whether they reduced it or increased it. You're always going to... Sn- like numbers like that will always disappear for an away game for Aberdeen. Almost yeah. irrelevant of how garbage we are because there's a... There is a hard core of committed and or need to be committed individuals that will always go and watch Aberdeen. And that has to be commended. And I don't think people, you know, maybe higher up in the club, I don't think people really realise if you don't go to games, you're not shelling out your yeah, yeah. money and taking up your time to go and see it. I don't think people really realise what a commitment it yeah. is for people. So, I mean, that's a that's a long trek down there on a Monday night. The weather looks... Actually, I think the weather looks okay actually Monday night now. It looks a bit rope over the weekend. It is a big effort from... To get home at fucking what time you're going to get home at. And Liz Calf said, based on the current sales pitch from the club, to look at the guy in front of your head. So, I mean, I, I think that we should enforce some kind of... I've always thought that at gigs, you should enforce a height kind of... Yeah, like school photos. Tier kind of things, like short people at the front. Yeah. And then you just build it. Primary school photos. Short people at the front. They, can sit, they could actually sit cross-legged at the front. Yeah. Yep. 
which means they could see, and then the person behind, they could maybe kneel, and they could see over the top, and then, yeah. Unless you're behind the goal, in which case you're going to stare at a TV gantry. <laughs> the only problem with that is it's been about 30 years since I could cross my legs. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so not that, making that... any jokes about that right now. <laughs> I would have to take a little a little stool or a little, a little chair. Stool. Yeah. yeah, I can't I can't sit down for long these days. Bring one of those camping chairs you bring to festivals. Yes, because it's got a little beer holder as well. Beer that holders, would work exactly. Yeah. Bovril holder. Well, oh. yeah, probably going to need beer, but yeah. I can put it in a bovril container, I guess. We we completely missed this when we were talking about Hamden um, on Saturday. What about the catering at Hamden on, on Sunday, sorry? Well, I mean, I, I was... I'm gonna Class share, stuff I'm, from the I'm National I'm going to dare say that I was clever in that, you know, I was like, you know what, Scottish football game, there's no danger the vegan option is gone. So I was okay. I don't know about Graham's uh, lengthy wait for a scotch pie. It was an interesting strategy to basically cook the pies to order for 50,000 people. It was an Solid absolute effort. clusterfuck. But on the other hand, pure SFA. Oh, yeah. You know, this is our game. It wouldn't be the same if it worked. Exactly. Once again, I have no reason to believe this is the case, but I'm going to assume this was all a director from Neil Doncaster. Yeah, of course, absolutely. I would also say their fancy access system's a load of bollocks because an old-fashioned Manny had to let me in to the turnstile and everyone in my lane, if you like. Yeah, after one of the drug-sniffing dogs had pounced on you. Yeah, fucking yeah, that dog. Was funny. <laughs> <laughs> that dog just seemed like more just being everyone's pal than any kind of crime-fighting duties. No, I think they just sized me up and he's like, this guy's cool, he likes cats. I'm going to sniff him and get him searched. <laughs> yeah, if for anyone that doesn't realise, Graham's a cat person, so that will be no surprise to anyone, I think, who's listened to us for 83 weeks, or longer, because it turns out this is much more than 83 episodes anyway. Um, actually, a serious point, Chris Beveridge, do, this ties back into the Christian Ramirez thing, do we need another striker in the window, or do we just properly promote Bavage? Um, it, it wouldn't be a priority. If we got a... If we got a centre back and a right back, and there was space in the budget, then I'm well, okay with that. Space in the budget. I mean, Christ, seeing how much Ramirez cost. Fuck now. Well, I I keep getting told that Glass was under underfunded. Well, overall he was. Well, just because you had one guy chewing up all the cash doesn't mean that he was. <laughs> so yeah, that is a good point, and I think the answer is yes, we do. However, I would bring a whole new starting eleven. I wouldn't prioritise it because the. There are definitely areas of the squad where you really, really need to... You know what happened though, don't you? I will get two strikers. No, no, no. We, we won't sign a striker and Miofsky and Duco... Well, Miofsky gets sold on the last day of the transfer window to Lazio and Duco will get injured against Darvlin Monday night for the rest of the season. Oh, Bojan, please don't go to Lazio. I know, I know. Uh, um, yeah, given in real terms what Ramirez's contribution to the season has actually been, I'm okay with Bavish taking his spot in the squad. Okay, fine. I think that's pretty much everything. I think everything else we've kind of really covered. So will we uh, take a break here and then we'll come back again to talk about Darvel on Monday night really quickly. Really quickly. Hi. This episode of the ABC Football Podcast is brought to you by Siberia Bar and Hotel on Belmont Street, Aberdeen. Siberia is back and better than ever in 2023 with a revamped food menu. And even better, they're offering free area hires between January and March. Head on down and get rid of those January blues by enjoying a night out with your friends on Belmont Street. Book an area or even a table for Siberia's 2023 Burns Supper via their website at siberia-aberdeen.co.uk.
Welcome back to the ABZ Football Podcast. Thanks for joining us again. Uh, it's been it's been an hour and a half already of just pure, unadulterated rage and nonsense <laughs> and gibberish. Thank you for staying with us. But Monday night, the road to Hamden kicks <laughs> off again. <laughs> I love that Gavin couldn't even get through that first sentence without pissing himself wow. laughing. Wow. It has been 33 years since the Scottish Cup was back home. Surely this is the year. And we start at Nonley Darville, our first ever, I say our first ever, our first ever meeting with Darville, clearly. Our first non-league tie since 1971. Live in the Beeb, Monday night. The Dons coming at this in a fucking horrendous state of form and state, state of mind. Darville flying high at the top of the West of Scotland League Premier Division. What can possibly go wrong? For those who, this is obviously audio only, Gavin just made the Scott Hall ooh thing about Darville there. I'm marking that down now as a jinx. I think you might have to explain to people who Scott Hall is. Different podcast. Man, different podcast. Um, it's a proper, it's a proper lose-lose game, isn't it? Oh, it really is. Like, you can't win. Well, you can, um, but you can. <laughs> <laughs> Setting aside the fact that you can win, you can win. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's the Scottish Cup. That's, it's the SFA. Who knows? Who knows what happened this year? I think, is that not like the mantra Mark McGee came into Dundee with? <laughs> it's like uh, what was it? It's like Homer. You know, the first step to failure is trying or something like that. <laughs> um, I think. Uh, yeah, I know what you mean. If you don't batter them, you tried yeah, your best and you failed. The lesson is never try. That's what I'm thinking of. That's exactly it. I think you're. I know what you mean. If you don't, if you don't smash them, like four or five, six, and you scrape through, people are up in arms. You know, this is a disgrace. Look at the gap in the budget. Blah blah blah. When you say people, I, um, you mean us. I think there'll be more than just the three of us. Um, <laughs> and I understand that point of view because the the gap is so wide that there should be a huge gulf in quality. If you scrape through, yeah, you've got through. But then people are obviously going to be having a go at the performance and that's all valid as well. So I can see how it's going to be difficult to come out with this with any sort of real feel good. But it is critical that we do come out of it and are in the next round. Yeah, these are the kind of results that I'm more than happy to leave at the foot of clubs like Hearts. Uh, (laughs) I can't. Can't be an Aberdeen fan that watches my team get beat by a team in what, the sixth tier of Scottish football yeah sixth yeah yeah I'm, I'm not game for that so that is the type of thing you do leave to Diddy teams like Hearts yeah um bearing in mind as well Hearts of course knocked out the Scottish Cup what two seasons ago uh broader Rangers yes. my broader Rangers so you know should we not be sort of doing all this after we've got through like retrospective mocking no we'll do it anyway it's fine Okay, I'm distancing myself from these disparaging remarks. Even if we get beat on Monday night, we still do put the 10 and 6s on our honours list, so fuck them. I wouldn't mind putting something on our honours list. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a wee while. It has, it has, that's true. Um, yeah, we, we're getting into that territory now of like... It'll be 10 years. It'll be, what, 9? 10 years? It'll be 10 years next year. Just give it, give it another 9 years and Dave Cormack will be repeating the Strip Non promo. <laughs> Um, All you can hope for is, you know, professional performance. We go and we do the job and move into the next round and then we'll get away to a team in our league and that'll be tatties. 
you've got to imagine Darville though have got to be just looking at this now and going like it for for Darville outside of obviously one half of the Bigot brothers, especially given the area that Darville are from, um outside of drawing one of those two, it's the best draw they could have possibly got, I think. Um even just in terms of the sheer number of Aberdeen fans who will travel for this, I don't think any other team in the country would bring the number of fans we're going to bring to this on a Monday night on the TV, to be honest. Um, but they'll be pinched themselves with the fact they got the draw in the first place. But now, the, the run of form we're in, they're, they're always going to have a bit of belief, aren't they? It's, it's, it's a one-off game of football. You never know what can happen. With the run we're on, the kind of soft belly that we are demonstrating, especially on the road. If you're Darvel, like, I can't even believe I'm having to talk like this about this. It's, it's almost unthinkable. They've kind of got to be rubbing their hands. This is they're never going to have a better opportunity, are they? To to create what would be, I think it's fair to say, probably the biggest shock in Scottish Cup history. It would take a lot of heat off the lads that lost at Stenhousemuir. Certainly would. So maybe one or two of them will be uh, crossing their fingers for a little, uh, a little <laughs> a wee upset here. It would be the biggest <laughs> upset in definitely Scottish Scottish Cup, if not Scottish football history, if it happened. I don't think it will. I think we will get through it but probably not in the most inspiring of fashions and then on what basis do you say that gav though just out of interest i see a lot of people doing this about this game on monday and well go give me your give me your give me your reasons (sighs) and i'll attempt to dismantle them in a horrendously negative aberdonian way the fact that he has no reasons to hand is not the fact that he just took a side. The fact that he just took a big scoop of beer before completing oh, his answers well, is a lot. Well, well, I mean, um, <laughs> well, this is this promising. Um, um, uh, next question. Like all jokes aside, I see a lot of people saying this because they're looking at single well, Darvel or sixth tier, right? Well, we won't get overrun in midfield because we've got Ramadani and Shinny. That's sarcasm. We won't get. We won't get uh, our defenders will defend our box with with great pride and dignity. It's just definitely sarcasm. And um, you know, Dar- Darvel have never seen a Duke. But alive, Duke's Duke never flesh. seen a Darvel. Duke, <laughs> yeah, Duke's dad did not tell him about these kind of trips when he was. <laughs> nah, I don't think so. When he was flogging his son off to Aberdeen, um, I, I just think in this situation we will have just too much quality on the day, but. Right, not being funny. I mean, ad- admi- ad- admittedly, if they do take, <laughs> if they do hit the ball vaguely in between the sticks, it obviously goes in past Joe Lewis. That's we've accepted that clearly now. But yeah, I, it can't happen. You say it can't happen, but like Darvel are currently clear of their clear at the top of their league, which includes Pollock, who are in third place. Pollock beat Annan convincingly in one of the earlier rounds in the Scottish Cup we struggled like fuck against Annan earlier in the season Darvel came up to Montrose and smashed Montrose 5-2 League 1 Montrose I'm not trying to say that that's a barometer but anything but they're not mugs Darvel I think that people who are looking at them and thinking this isn't going to be an easy ride are, 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 are maybe just being just that little bit too comfortable with this i think with the squad that darvel have got and we'll come on to talking to a couple of guys who know a lot more about darvel than than we do their squad's kind of full of like players who've played at a decent level in scottish football um to date they're no mugs i don't think this is as clear cut and as easy as people think it's going to be the flip side to this of course is that darvel did quite well in the scottish cup last season with a number of the same players they beat Brechin um and eventually went out to our bro 3-0 
in the fourth round last season. So there maybe is still that 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 golf on quality. But I tell you what, with the form we're in right now, I'm not as comfortable with this as Gav appears to be. Put it that way. I know the finish. Montreal screw job. It better not end up with you having to break out your little black notebook. Yeah. We'll, yeah, we'll be okay. It'll be uninspiring as fuck. Okay. But we'll get through. And like I say, we'll draw Kilmarnock in the next round. <laughs> At Rugby Park. At Rugby Park. And out. Ties. There we go. Um, okay. Will we move on to talking to the boys from the PJ and Dak podcast? Let's. Absolutely. Okay. Excellent. So, yeah, as we touched on, like, I'm not going to try and pretend the three of us are any sort of West of Scotland Football League aficionados by any stretch of the imagination. So to get the down low on Darville, I sat down with Paul Gordon and Dak from the PJ and Dak podcast to get their take on things. Paul, Dak from the PJ and Dak podcast. I was going to say PJ and Duncan there for a minute. Welcome <laughs> to the ABZFP. How's it going, boys? Excellent, mate. Thanks for having us. All good, brilliant. We made that return. I never thought I'd be on an Aberdeen podcast, but there we go. <laughs> hey, stranger things have happened, eh? No, that's it. So let's just get down to business. Straight off the bat, Monday night sees Aberdeen travel down to Darvel for our fourth round Scottish Cup tie. It's the first time Aberdeen have drawn non-league opposition in the competition since 1971. Darvel obviously coming in for what's their fifth tie of the competition so far, having seen of Haddington Athletic in the preliminary round, an 8-0 win over Tyne Castle in round one, a 7-1 over Dalbiti Star in round two, and then the eye-catching 5-2 win over Montrose in the third round. So, Live in the BBC, Monday night, Darvel couldn't have hoped for much of a bigger tie, I think, to pop out of the hat. I think other than getting Celtic or Rangers, this is as big as it could be. And I think that this is absolutely massive for for the level that we cover, the West of Scotland League. It's just huge, to be honest. You've had like Irvin Meadow a few years back who'd played um, Hibs at Easter Road. Auchinleck have played Hearts a couple of times. Should have beat them at Tynecastle, at least got a draw at Tynecastle. But it's massive for our level, to be honest. Massive for Darvel as a club. It's huge. Just echo that, do you know what I mean? It's it's brilliant and, and, and fair play to Darvel. They deserve, deserve that opportunity in, in, in front of the cameras as well because they've put some some great and very impressive results together eh, in this season's competition. So I think it'll be a great occasion for the town. It's good for the town of Darvel because there's been a lot of work being done down there and there's a lot of investment into the plane playing side yet, remitting the management and that as well. So they deserve a they deserve a big night. And as you say, Aberdeen coming to town, you seen the following they took to Hamden at the weekend as well, do you know what I mean? So um and our trip to uh, down to the west of Scotland and let's let's hope it's a good game on Monday night. Remarkably Darvel aren't the lowest ranked sides left in the competition because that obviously falls to Drumchapel, United to meet Elgin in round four at the weekend as well. And there's um Oh, who is it? It's WT Star, isn't it? Or no, no, WT get um, double put no, WT in the first, second round. I think it was. Give me thinking about. Glasgow Unity, Scotland Unity, aren't they? I suppose they're the lower league, they're a league above Darvel. Is it Linlithgow? Linlithgow Rose. Linlithgow Star. Star mm-hmm. uh, they're, they're the equivalent. Uh, Darvel and East. They play. They play Rovers. That's it. That's who I was thinking about as well. So quite a round actually. Quite a performance this year from the non-league sides, especially on the west coast as well. I think something you find, you look at Darvel in particular and like Auchinleck, where it's clubs we know a lot about. We played at this level. Dak coaches at Pollock, who are only two places below Darvel in the Premier League. But a lot of these players have played senior. They've, you've got some of them who have been 
I mean, Ian McShane, who who's won a major competition with Ross County, is going to be in the Darvel team. And he's not, it's not like he's an old man who is on his way out. He's still a good player. And that's the kind of quality. You've got a lot of very experienced players in there. Ross Meakin, player of the year uh, for four for last year, who's playing for, for Darvel as well. There's a massive amount of quality. And I think, obviously, a lot of, particularly your listeners in the, the northeast, I'd imagine, don't really know anything about our level. There is a huge amount of quality in there. I mean, you even look at Drumchapel you mentioned. They're um, the league below Darvel. David Templeton plays for them. Yeah. So there's, there's huge quality there. And we saw also, you know, Pollock obviously earlier on in the competition as well, taking uh, Aaron Athletic um, all the way as well early in the competition. So you can see the quality there. It was one of the best games of football I've seen this season, that one. Um, early in the competition was great. Touched on earlier on, I mean, Darvel riding high at the moment at the top of the West of Scotland. Premier Division, five points clear of uh, Beath Juniors and Pollock as we speak at this moment in time tonight. Aside though with like fairly limited success in their junior days, a Scottish junior runners-up spot back in 1975-76 is pretty much the kind of like height of how things have been for Darvel historically. Of course, they did win the Premier Division last season, failed to make the step up though to the Lone League after falling short in the kind of round-robin three-way tournament. Fair to say, probably Darvel's cause wasn't helped by a number of their players being on a stag do um, for that one instead of in the game. But I guess a, lo- a big key driver into a lot of Darvel's recent success, and we touched on it before we started recording, is the kind of financing that's coming through from from John Gall and etc. Better known as obviously the MD of Browning's Bakery, who do a horrendous replication of an Aberdeen buttery. I have to say that you can find in an Aldi or Lidl up this neck of the woods, but. It's fair to say that Goals, well, certainly an interesting character, isn't he? Let's put it that way. Uh, I'll let you I take that. You're leaving that to me, PG. Uh, I'll let you take that. Ah, John's, a, John's a character, isn't he? And, and he's very passionate, the passionate about his club, and, and he, he'll probably put an investment, his own investment behind the club as well. And and I, I, he's certainly a character, I. Didn't he give us a free pie when we went into Darvel, mate, enough? That's right, we never actually got, we never got a Kelly pie last time we were there. Aye, but anyway, no, no, listen, the, the thing about Darvel, right, it's well, doc- it's well documented, known, especially in the west of Scotland, people think money, 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 but one thing that they've done is with their money and what Mick and his backroom staff have done is they've added the right players, um, the success that they're getting of late. This is a new era for their club. Uh, they're doing a lot of work after the part. They've not just They've not just focused on the the playing staff. They've tried to work on the or the infrastructure and about the club as well. And I think they've added the right players and the right type. They've got a lot of qualities. PG uh, alluded to on that. They've got good players and they've got, they've got good young players as well. They've got boys on form. Me Truesdale on that. And it was flying for them, boy Chris Truesdale. Um, Mackenzie's getting a lot of goals as well. So they've got a lot. They've got a lot of quality there. Um, but. It's gonna be it's gonna be an exciting time. It's an exciting time for them and it's an exciting time for Drum Chapel as well. And Aberdeen are gonna have obviously got a lot better quality than what Darvel have got, but I think with like the likes of Paul ourselves showing when we went to air, air were flying high at the top of the championship scoring goals for fun and we went to Somerset Park, made it very difficult for them yeah. and lost the game one nil and or maybe had a couple of half chances in the game. And I think that Davo have will get their wee spells in the game where they'll cause Aberdeen problems, but it's how they can keep Aberdeen pro- quiet on the night. But it's going to be an interesting one. But one thing that Aberdeen I think will like is the surface will be immaculate. No, I mean it'll be better than Hamden. And Hamden was at the weekend. They wouldn't have been hard right enough, but 
the surface will be the surface will be outstanding. But if Davo can keep it nice and tight and try and even get the first goal, then it'd be, it'd be it'd be very interesting. But they'll be up for it, the Davo boys. I was going to touch on it. The pitch looks fantastic, Nick, and everybody you know speaks about the pitch down there says exactly the same thing. And like you say, after the tatty field we played on on Sunday at the National Stadium, anything's going to be an improvement. And um, surprisingly, actually, tonight, I just had a quick look before we came on. Aberdeen have actually already sold over 900 tickets out of the 1,200 that have been allocated. Only that came out last night, how many we were actually getting. It's been a bit of a... Let's call it some shenanigans, I think, up until now in terms of what's been going on ticket-wise and, and what Darvel have been doing with the stadium. Listen, we talked about last night in our own show that, you know, from our perspective, listen, Darvel are absolutely entitled to want to keep the game at Recreation Park. It's absolutely in, in their interest to do so. It just feels like it's a little bit of trying to kind of take your cake and, and eat it at the same time in terms of trying to rake in as much as possible. It's going to be interesting for some of the Aberdeen fans travelling to, to Recreation Park on Monday night to see what sort of sight line they're going to get from up on the hill but looking ahead to the game itself you know we just touched on it. the pitch looks excellent it's unlikely that the pitch is going to be what's going to cause Aberdeen any problems so who should Aberdeen fans be kind of looking out for in the Darvel lineup and potentially I guess be a bit wary of in that in that lineup see for me Dak touched on it earlier um Alan McKenzie he's a top goal scorer he's got eight goals very good player I mentioned him as well, Ian McShane, as um, like myself and Dak went down and watched um, Darvo last year when they played Auchinleck, and Ian McShane scored one of the best goals that, see if you'd saw that in the Premier League, you'd be saying, fantastic, yeah. you should check out our TikTok, it's got like 280,000 views for that goal, <laughs> but um, you've got Ross Caldwell as well, who, Ross was in the Hibs team um, quite a few years back, there's a lot of quality in there. He scored a winner in an Edinburgh Derby. Exactly, you know what I mean? So that's that is the level of quality you've got there. I think that Dak touched on him as well. Craig Truesdale, who came from Rob Roy at the start of the season, it's all relative. He's no one of the big names for our level, but he's a very talented player. And like again, Dak said, he's right in form. I think he could cause some issues as well. Yeah. Very tidy player. See, see, for me, I think that I think what Darvo have got at their disposal. They've got a very good squad, especially at this level. But they're, but they're all going to have to go and they're going to have to play out their skin, nines and tens. Everybody's going to have to have an absolute world day. Goalie's going to have to make a lot of saves, big saves. Um, when you get the chances, they're going to have to they're going to have to take them. Um, but I think the big the big strength in Darvo, and I can only speak for being on the outside, is they're very together. They seem a they seem a close group. They do a lot of socialising out way. With um, football, and that they seem a tight, a tight group. So that will stand them in good stead, I think, because when it gets to the nitty gritty and it gets to the hard bits where you've all got to dig in, you've all got to dig deep for your team. I think that they will be capable of doing that. I think that the biggest worry, I think, Darvel side now is they have been conceding goals of late. They've been winning every game and they've been scoring goals for fun. Um, but they've just they've not been keeping many clean sheets, and I think to get anything out of the game against Aberdeen, they need to be so solid defensively and then try and maybe nick something on the break. But listen, Aberdeen, Premier League club, full-time football players should really go down there and win the game comfortably. But we all know Darvo will be up for it on the night, and I think that there's a lot of players. McShane, for me, is the best at the West of Scotland. He's a, 
he's a main man, he makes them tick, but they've got lots of good players as well. We fair gain that. I think I think it's difficult because you never know what team Mick's going to put out as well because he's got so much quality. So be interesting to see he's starting eleven. Um but it's gonna be it's gonna be a good watch. And the players have played like Megat, the captain, who's been at East, East Fife and stuff like that. So we've got some good players down there. I think that's the thing as well. A lot of Aberdeen fans, you know, people who who don't maybe watch a lot of football outside the top flight in Scotland as well, are probably looking at this game and thinking, oh, this should be an absolute cakewalk. But you only need to look at that performance in the last round from from Darvel, you know, a 5-2 win at Montrose. Montrose are, you know, not to be sniffed at in League One. You know, that's a that's a result that shows that Darvel could very well cut it at that sort of level, potentially. Okay, it's maybe an out-of-this-world kind of day and you've got to have everything go for you to even get a result like that a lot of the time. But... For me, this is a this is I I'd be treating this as an Aberdeen you know fan as being a trip as if we were going to a League One outfit. We struggled this season when we went to Annan in yeah. the 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 League Cup earlier on. Really, really struggled down there when Annan made it very very difficult for us. So the thing I would I would say as well from Darvel's perspective, this will be a real culture shock again for mm. the Aberdeen team. We've got a whole bunch of new guys in the squad this season who've come in from you know all over the world practically. They're not gonna have like had to had to deal with this type of situation before, which is gonna be interesting to see how they react how they react to it, having gone from the similar idea from playing at Hamden for the first time on Sunday down to Darvel on Monday night. It's gonna be interesting to look at that. And you just touched on it there as well, Dak, about the fact that I had a look at the the recent results, how Darvel have maybe been a little bit more leaky in, in recent weeks than than previously. What would you say? I mean, scoring goals for fun though, 42 goals in their 13 league games so far. We've seen them scoring goals across the board in the Scottish Cup as well so far this campaign. So just in terms of general strengths for Darvel, and then I guess, where do you think Aberdeen can look to hurt them? I think the basically the philosophy that Mick, Mick Matt, his team does is their best, their best form of defending is attacking. If they're in the ascendancy and they've got the ball, then teams are not going to hurt them as much. What they, what they normally do is, is they've got two full-backs, that push very high up the part and overload and on the higher areas. And I think that that might be a wee bit more difficult. Again, Stabber Dean, they're going to maybe have to be more compact. They might even sacrifice a forward thinking player, depending. I don't know if, if Mick might try and go for it or if he might sacrifice a mere attack-minded player for somebody in there just to shore up the midfield in the middle of the part and give a bit more dig. But... I think there's there's plenty of options here and lots for them to contemplate. One thing's for sure, Aberdeen are only going to find it nice. And a lot of it, I think, will be, be doing the Aberdeen's attitude as well. It depends what Jim Goodwin puts out in his team. Is he, is he going to use it? I know that Aberdeen and the fans see that as a competition. They always like to go and try and win. Um, and they want to get to finals and they want to go far in it. So is he going to maybe give boys a run out or is he maybe... Is our boys maybe struggling for the weekend? Or, so it's, it'll be interesting to see what kind of team Aberdeen put out. But that Montrose result, didn't he, the, the actual win didn't shock me. I, they maybe won it more comfortably than what they did. But a lot of these teams in the West are more than capable of beating teams in the league. But Aberdeen's a different proposition. I think it'll all be down to the attitude and the application of the Aberdeen players. If they turn up and they're on it, then, then they'll win the game. But... Darvel's strength is definitely going forward. Um, and I, but at the same time, Aberdeen have got a lot of pace with the boy Duke and stuff like that that could cause problems. And big striker, was it Major? How do you spell it, pronounce his name? Uh, 
Miofsky. Um, Miofsky. If he plays, he's a big, strong guy. He's going to be, he looks after himself, he knows how to look after himself and that. So, no, a lot of it will be down to how Aberdeen perform on the day as well. Do you know what I mean? I think it'll be quite interesting. Like, I thought watching the game on Sunday that um, Shani made a huge difference to Aberdeen. I thought that as well. I think his energy, didn't he? Uh, I think you see with him being back. I've seen Aberdeen live twice this season, um, once at Parkhead, once at Ibrox. Ibrox, they were awful, absolutely oh, awful. Terrible. It was a 4-1 game. That was... Um, it was 4 going on about 36. Uh, after, um, and Rangers won the great that day as well. Oh, after no. Duke scored in the first kind of five minutes. It's kind of hard because we're seeing all this stuff about Darvo and we're seeing how we believe they have a lot of quality. And see the, like Dak touched on it, the Montrose result. I didn't expect Darvo to score five, but Darvo beat Montrose. To guys like us who know this level, it's not a surprise. Like I had took I took um Auchinleck to beat Hamilton last year in Macuton. And it wasn't there just that or oh, because I like Auchinleck. It was I knew that they would probably done it, Beachwood would probably beat them. They did. I mean, you seen Clyde Bank the same day beat Elgin. Yeah. You're talking about Annan causing Aberdeen issues. Annan stole a win against uh, Clyde Bank in the Scottish Cup last year, two goals in injury time. Uh and then get comfortably beaten off a Daxton Pollock. There is a lot of quality, but it's relative because if Aberdeen turn up, Darvel won't win. That's that is the long shot. Even if Darvel have an excellent night, if Aberdeen turn up, if Jim Goodwin puts out his strongest team, which I think with how shaky it's been for him recently, that that's what he has to do because three wins at the last ten, something like that. Sounds about right. Aye, <laughs> that's not really a position that he wants to be in. He if he loses on Monday he'd be lucky to have a job. So I don't see him doing anything other than going fully, kind of fully formed for it. Yeah, I mean, he's got a massive week ahead. You know, he, we play Hearts on Wednesday night. If we get beat by Hearts at Tynecastle on Wednesday, that'll be Hearts nine points clear in third, which to me basically finishes off that conversation. The Scottish Cup is everything. You look at the same time as well. I mean, someone won their game in hand and yeah. uh, Aberdeen lose. Aberdeen on sixth place are struggling for top six at that point. Yeah. It's definitely, a, there's no pressure on Darvel. It's no, not at all. a huge amount of pressure on Aberdeen. Let's be honest with you, it's an absolute glamorous, amazing tie for Darvon. Everybody connected with Darvon in the west of Scotland, but it's an absolute horrible tie yeah. for anybody connected to Aberdeen. That's a shocker. You go and you win the game comfortably, you go and score five or six and you win the game, everybody's like, ah, it's fully expected. You go, you struggle, you scrape a win, everybody's gone, it's not acceptable, Darvel get applause. You go and you lose the game, then it's an absolute catastrophe. One of the worst results we'll be doing in actual history of the club, just due to a Darvel being a non-league club. So oh, yeah. it's a horrible tie for Aberdeen, but it's a brilliant time what we want to see in the West because they fully deserve that night. On that then, we never let our guests go without venturing a prediction. So, gents... Give us your prediction for Monday night. Well, Darvel have scored 84 goals in 22 games and Aberdeen have conceded 35 in 28 games. Yeah. So I think a 5-2 Darvel win sounds about right. <laughs> no, I genuinely I think if um, Darvel can keep it to two, possibly three goals in it, then I think they've two, if they can keep it to two, I think they've had a great night. But I think I would be leaning towards probably 3-0 to Aberdeen. It's probably the first time I would ever agree with PG. I'm thinking that Aberdeen will win the game 3-0. But I would love to see Darvel score and I would love to see Darvel take the lead in the game because I think then that would make it a real proper cup tie. 
I would love nothing better, even though they're one of one of my rivals and teams that are rival in the league. I would love I would love to see them doing well just for the, the level in the west of Scotland. But can he see past Aberdeen just far too strong, fit, stronger, quick. So Aberdeen for me, 3 0. What's your view on it? Oh, I don't know. It's what you said earlier on. I think it's it's such a horrible tie for Aberdeen, isn't it? Like you say, if we go down there and we win 2 0, do a professional job. It's just what we should be doing, you know. No, no plaudits there at all. I think it really depends a lot on how we go at Hearts on on Wednesday night as well. To be honest with you, how that shakes us up, both in terms of the squad who we've got available. We we had a lot of injuries picked up at Hamden on Sunday. A lot of guys with various different um, strains and and muscle pulls and all sorts of stuff. So we don't have the biggest squad either at this moment in time. I don't think we can really afford to to mix things up and change things up that much. Um, so, you know, I think he has to go down there. I think he has to play with what will be our strongest available 11. I'd, I'd like to think that we go down and we, we're professional about it and, and we come through the tie, but I don't anticipate it's going to be an easy night. And listen, you touched on it earlier on, Paul, like we're not keeping clean sheets. Um, we've had two in the last two in the league, but I can sense us conceding at some point and it might just get a little bit nervy, but I think we might come through maybe two or three, one in the end. Is the big captain suspended? I think he should be back, I think. Yeah, Darvo's got a chance in. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's not great, is he? He's, he's not a ball player anyway. He's no, no he's, he's I, I, that's another argument, but for what I've seen him, he's he's not a captain Aberdeen, that's for sure. No, absolutely not. You won't hear any of us on this podcast disagreeing with that one. Anyway, boys, it's been great talking to you. Thank, Thank you. you much Thanks so us. much. We'll catch you later on. Take care. Cheers. Thank you. Cheers for having us. Thank you. So there we go, boys. Um, as always. After we've heard from our guests, time now to venture some predictions for Monday night's Scottish Cup fourth round tie in deepest, darkest Darvel. No one wants to go first. The floor is yours, Graham. I'm going to say 3-0 Aberdeen. The Jim Goodwin revival starts here. For at least five days. Gav. I think I was overconfident. I know. 2-1 Aberdeen. Mm. And Joe Lewis, yet again, does not take a clean sheet bonus. Darvel 1, Aberdeen 2, after extra time. I reckon we're going to get a big scare for some reason. I think we just about scrape it through and there becomes a big argument to argue that Goodwin goes on Tuesday or he gets till the Tuesday uh, to Saturday and loser leaves town with Lee Johnson at East Road's I don't, I'm, I, just, I have the fear I really do but like all loser leaves town matches he'll be back he never really week. leaves the town he never really leaves miraculously have a front row ticket at Pataudry <laughs> I don't think he'd be buying tickets for Pataudry if he had free time no he'd be going to Parkhead obviously anyway um, which he's entitled to do of course he'd be uh, well, I think someone, asked, someone, someone did ask us about that actually about the whole Charles Dunn chat Oh yeah, do we want to quickly talk about that? Um, yeah, the, so I'll, we'll put it to Graham because I'm maybe hasn't seen this, but I'm, I'm assuming you know what Charles Dunn was wearing when he came to watch his mate at the shirt at Hamden. Yeah. So the chat was, you know, and we kind of bring it back to say McCrory or Ramirez showing support for uh, Rangers in the past year. What is crossing the line when it comes to supporting another team? I don't think. <laughs> Well, I thought it was kind of amusing. And then the whole sort of mock trial thing was quite funny. It was quite a humorous 
take on it. I think... Uh, Can I just say, I said it at the time, I'm going to say it again. It was very, very wise of the St Mirren people, players and staff involved to have Declan Gallagher and Stephen Robinson involved in the process because they're both very familiar with the goings-on and intricacies of the Scottish court system. Well, maybe that's why they picked them. So yeah. I thought it was quite Charles Dunn's suit as well was good. I liked it. Eh, yeah. I wouldn't go that far. I thought it was quite a humorous response. That, look, I, I guess it would probably, yeah, it would annoy a lot of people if you see one of your players in another team's. But he's not made any noises about being a St. Merrin fan. Or what, you know, if you look back, it's well documented that him and Stuart are pals. Bezies. So, yeah, I probably wouldn't have been delighted if it was one of our players. So I can see why people would be up in arms. But I thought it was kind of a a funny way to try and deal with it. We tend to just make players that do that vice-captain, I think. That's what happens. Anyway, I was just looking to see where Charles Dunn is from. He's from Lambeth. I can't imagine that there was a big St Mirren supporters club in Lambeth. Might be wrong. To be fair, Ross wasn't caught wearing... Imagine if he was. <laughs> yeah, he'd be captain. Here we go. <laughs> anyway, there we go. Are we done? I think we're done. Charles done. It's like I said out of you, Graham. It's like I said out of you. Anyway, there we go. Thanks for joining us on this week's episode of the ABZ Football Podcast. We'll be back at some point during the week. I don't know when uh, to review the Darville game. Might be very soon, depending on how things go. Uh, I was going to say, hopefully not around about 10 o'clock on Monday night. <laughs> well, hopefully not for me, because I ain't here. But just you two boys doing that. Uh, and then we'll preview the match against Hibs on Saturday. Loser leaves town. Possibly Porto's farewell match. Uh, quite possibly. So you know what happens there. PKs all round. Overhead <laughs> kick. Right, <laughs> <laughs> like, to someone's head. <laughs> Duke out for the rest of the season. See you on the other side. Oh. One, no, no, can I make one point on. where I don't understand? See how they've only picked certain games for VAR? Oh, uh, Graham. Is, is that worms? Is that because we don't have enough money to run it everywhere? I I presume what this might be is because... Oh, or is it covered in the league and you have to pay for it in the cup or something? I feel like I saw someone... I wonder if it's because they simply wouldn't have enough referees to man all the games because normally you would only have six top flight games potentially any one uh, time I see. but I don't know how many home games there are but based on some of the decision you don't need to have any knowledge of the game I just switch it on and off and just carry on playing <laughs> apparently I don't know, you know yeah yeah oh I was just curious I, I never thought of that it might not be enough SFA minions to man, man the stations just one Willie Collum is just having to man like about fucking 20 <laughs> games at one time frantically hitting buttons with no idea what's going on we just need loads of red cards just it would like, make no difference it wouldn't make any difference uh, at all uh, 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 Scottish Cup ties they now go to extra time don't they we don't we don't do replays anymore uh, extra time pens yeah I correct it'll get sorted on Monday I assume it has something to do with that we've all clearly just paid for the 90 minutes subscription given that it went <laughs> down at Hamden <laughs> the basic package <laughs> never thought of that actually the free trial yeah. Or no, but, uh, you know, like everyone. That's what it is. You know, people Don't talk about just re-registering loads of emails. He's got to have so many <laughs> fake accounts for the free trials. That's what it is. You yeah. know, how people are always like wondering why it takes so long for decisions to be reached, right? Yeah, it's because we've obviously just got the basic package, and we're having to watch the ads. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, I can't believe I've had a doozy and it's right at the end and no one will heard it. Anyway, that'll do us <laughs> this week's episode of this ABZ Football Podcast. We'll see you next time. Stand free. This episode of the ABZ Football Podcast was brought to you in association with Siberia Bar and Hotel on Belmont Street, Aberdeen. Head into the bar, quote the phrase ABZ Pod, that's ABZ Pod, for a £3 pint of Foster's, £4 pint of Moretti, or £5 pint of Fierce any day of the week, including match days. Siberia is open seven days a week, all year round, and the bar is located only 30 seconds walk from the nearest bus stop taking supporters to Stadium for free on match days. Come on, you Reds.